Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide. It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganello. all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Hey, everybody. So, obviously, we have a very difficult, ugly, and sad episode of Survivor to talk about this week. I know since Wednesday, everyone in the community has been reconciling their emotions around the events of those two hours, including us. And to be frank, we were even debating whether or not we should do a podcast this week just due to the dark material coming out of this episode. What we ultimately decided to do was to produce an episode of the BNB this week. I am going to say up front, we are in no way going to make light of the situation around Dan, nor make fun of every, anyone's very justified feelings both on and off the show around this. But we also see the value in being a place for fun and games to provide some lighter fare even in the face of some very serious and very emotional issues. So here's how the podcast is going to work. We are going to start out with a discussion of the episode about Dan's behavior, about Missy and Elizabeth's behavior, about Janet's role in all this and the way she was treated, because we all have some opinions on it. It will not be a comprehensive breakdown of the issues at large. For that, I would very highly recommend you check out a lot of the other great podcasts that have been done over the course of this week. Rob and Shannon did a masterful job of breaking it down on the know-it-alls. Rob had a great chat with Kelly Wentworth recently as well. And Lita Brillman came out to Taryn Armstrong's Twitch at twitch.tv slash Taryn Armstrong to talk it through. They all give fantastic and detailed perspectives about what happened. So if you're into that type of discussion, I highly recommend that. But after we have our discussion, We're going to get into our usual business, uh, including our predictions, our games, our question of the week. Just so you know, all the games that we do this week are not going to be about the episode itself. If you're just interested in the fun and games part of the podcast, you want to skip past the episode discussion. I would say fast forward to about 47 minutes or so in your podcatcher of choice. And I will also say in advance, if our actions make us come off at all insensitive about the feelings from both the players and the community. I deeply apologize. That is not our intention at all. As I mentioned before, 
we want to provide some fun and games so people have, you know, a, a lighter side to look at amidst all this very heavy but very important discussion going on. If this is something that you don't want at this moment and you want to tune out now, skip out this week, that is totally understandable. Even if you want to take a break from this season after watching what you did on Wednesday, again, totally understand and hopefully we'll see you next season. But we're going to be here and we're going to keep being here week after week playing some games. And I hope you can join us. Thank you, as always, for your listening and your support. Take it away, Wolf from America. Mike and Diana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Diana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. Everybody and welcome to the RHAP B&B for episodes 8 and 9 of Survivor Island of the Idols. My name is Mike Bloom here to break down a lot from this double episode of Survivor. Let, let me make, you know, no introductions because you just heard like the two minute introduction of this podcast before you came in here. Let me welcome in, of course, Liana Boris. Liana, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, you know, overall, I'm doing okay. I'm happy that I had some time to recover from the episode. I'm very happy I did not have to record uh, right away. So I think uh, I think we're going to get into some good discussion. And then, of course, our usual silliness. And of course, to join us with all that serious and silliness, we are so happy to bring her back. You may know her from literally all over the place, uh, but she's been killing it most recently on Off Book, the improvised musical podcast with Zach Rhino. Jessica McKenna, welcome back to the B&B. How you doing? Thank you so much for having me back. Um, yes, I agree. I'm glad we're not recording this Wednesday night. <laughs> I feel much more equipped in this moment now that my mouth is not just open. Um, <laughs> it would have been a lot of silence. I think, yeah, yeah. Which I doesn't really translate. A lot, of, which is not good for the audio medium. Um, but uh, yes, um, boy, boy. That is um, wild TV. Yeah, uh, I can't believe it. It's it's can't wild it. TV. And, you know, again, I, I made this disclaimer before we get into, obviously, this episode and I guess in the context of the larger season as well. Just do you want to give an update just from a personal perspective as to how you're doing? It's been a hot second. We had you on for the merge episode of Survivor 39. What a difference a year makes. How's everything been with you? <laughs> yeah, things are pretty good. You know, um, just. Uh, Plugging along, me and Zach working on stuff, working on off book. We got to go take it to London and Dublin earlier this year, which was really fun. Um, Yeah, but probably like almost probably nothing's changed in a year. (laughs) When you when you went abroad, like, did you have just some sort of like impulse in your head of like, should I do an accent? Like, I feel like or or is it going to be like offensive to them if I even attempt something? That's a great question. Zach and I um, also did like uh, we've both done the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. He's done it more than me, but we we did a musical improv show there called Baby One's Candy. And anytime you would do like UK Irish accents, it was so risky. You basically always had to like lean really hard 
or make it really light because it was just sort of instantly you felt like this is definitely even if you think you have a good working British accent, you're like, uh, not to real people. Our um, show in London was like comically Americana. It was like about people in the old West. Like it was so we just banked so hard the opposite way. And then our Dublin show was, was similar in that we just were like, you know, we're going to not put ourselves <laughs> in that situation. That's probably a smart call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, go ahead, Liana. My mom does this thing. My mom does this thing where she just mimics accents of the people that she's talking to. And she just does it without even knowing that she's doing it. <laughs> so she'll be talking to somebody and all of a sudden, like, mom's got a Spanish accent. And it's like, where did this come from? Wait, so is it, is it like, is she like Siler, where she like takes on the accents of the people she talks with? Or is she like parroting it back to them in their voice? Uh, no, I think she takes on the accents. I think because she thinks that they will understand her better. I don't, again, it's all subconscious. Like she doesn't know that she does it. I mean, she does because I've told her, but when in the moment, she's like, oh yeah. <laughs> so it's very bizarre. So, um, that's my story. <laughs> well, we have a lot to talk about in terms of, you know, it's actually speaking of voices, obviously with the discussion at hand around a lot of the behavior and obvious controversy that came out of these past couple episodes, I know that it's been an extremely trying and confusing time, at least for myself. I don't know if I can speak, speak on behalf of the two of you or, or anybody else just to sort of wrap my mind around how to feel about this, how to move on from this, if we should move on at all. And I've been so grateful to, you know, be able to listen to so many really intelligent voices talk through an extremely complex issue, both on podcasts, on social media, written in articles, etc. And I'm going to continue to do that. Now, I know that we all have opinions about this, uh, and I know we've all had a few days to sort of marinate on what exactly we personally feel about what has happened over the course of these two episodes. Liana, I, I, I want to start with you, your thoughts uh, on what's gone down. Yeah. Uh, so for me, you know, I had the immediate guttural reaction that I think a lot of people did. That was very emotional to watching um, what we saw. I think with more time, really what I would I hope that we as a community can take this time to do is use this as an opportunity to reflect because, you know, we choose the social norms and mores and we should use this as a chance to set in place the ways that we want things to happen and the the ways that we want people to behave. And, I, you know, it's been really nice to hear apologies um, from, you know, Elizabeth, Missy, Lauren and, and Aaron's, which was tearful. I mean, that video just like brought me back the emotion. Um, and so I think that those types of things are are really good. And and, you know, the reason why I want to talk about some of the things that happened in this episode is not because I want to punish people for certain behaviors, but I want to shed light on the ways that we can improve and why this was a bad thing. And in the future, let's try to be aware of situations that are similar to this. And how can we behave in a way that is more productive and more beneficial to everybody? Yeah, Jess, I mean, I'd love to get your opinion, obviously, for a number of reasons. But considering as someone who works in the entertainment industry and considering how much talk and especially, you know, Dan even name dropped something like the Me Too of it all. What was sort of your reaction to, I guess, both what happened on the island and its comparison to obviously a very real world serious issue? Yeah, I think like for me, the real you know, I had like the 
tense of the shoulders and sort of like the pit in my stomach when the first time when we, you know, episodes ago had Kelly speak out about how she felt like boundaries were not being respected. And I think I really empathize and have seen and experienced that it is, it's unfortunately people get in this position where they feel like they have to not speak up because it, when you are in like an industry, and I'm sure that this is, you know, many different industries, but where your job and your person are so intertwined, like you are the product, you are what you're trying to like sell it become your personality can get your personality and your character can get swept up in part of your ability to move forward in this, in, in your career, which I'm sure is obviously like that happens in lots of different industries, but there's such like a blurred line in the entertainment industry of when work stops and when something social can begin. And you're always kind of like networking, you're always kind of meeting people. And so I, when Kelly opened up about like, this is why, you know, women just don't speak up. I was like, yeah, a hundred percent. And it was such a, like, I just wanted to like run into my TV and hug her. It was just like, and then to see the rest of the way the episode played out was, I mean, it was really heartbreaking. Um, and you know, I was happy for that break of the fourth wall moment where you hear the producer talk to her. Um, but but it was, I mean, it was, yeah, it was really tough to watch. And, and I, I definitely, um, yeah, I mean, it was really heartbreaking. <laughs> that was my, that's like my biggest takeaway is just, is, I mean, there's so many, there's so many moments that are, that made, that made it hard to watch and sad to watch this thing, this show that we love and we love for the ways that it does mirror the w- real world because it's amazing to watch it as a microcosm. That's like one of the reasons why this show has such like ability to still be relevant. But at the same time, that means that that mirror is going to reflect parts of the society we don't like. And what it, to me, I was just like, this is a line though. Like, I can't believe it. Like we, I mean, I love everything that you were saying about reflecting and using this as an opportunity to say, yeah, well, what does matter? Which I think is like definitely one of the positive takeaways. So obviously what Dan did was absolutely terrible. It doesn't matter if certain people are fine with your behavior or others, you know, you're able to to nip that in the bud. If you make one person feel uncomfortable, then it is a problem. And I do feel like in a lot of the discourse, uh, I wouldn't say we have like skipped over Dan, it does seem there is a lot of an understandably so because it was pretty reprehensible behavior to watch from a moral perspective what Missy and Elizabeth did uh, and less so acknowledging, okay, Dan is the perpetrator of these actions. And maybe it's because of the role they played in everything between Missy apparently bonding with Kelly over their shared experiences yeah. and uncomfort discomfort around Dan. Then they end up taking that information to try to save their own position in the game to the point where even after the Kelly vote, they're trying to spell that saying we never actually felt that way. Obviously they did their objectionable actions, but it should not be forgotten where Dan plays into all this. You know, it's been really tough to sort of like comprehend sort of where they were coming from. And it also, it all comes back to me personally uh, from something that we've actually seen from this cast for a while, which is, 
And even something I got a sense of when I was out there preseason, which is this is a cast of hardcore gamers. And it's a, it's a group of people where I asked all of them when I was interviewing them, you know, is there something you will not do in this game? Is there a line you won't cross? And to be quite honest, the vast majority of them said no. You know, the, <laughs> there, there is not something I won't do. And we, we saw that a bit in the pre-merge. You know, they were like, really, they were cutting Molly's throat. They were cutting Ronnie's throat. They were cutting Chelsea's yeah. throat. And we're kind of seeing how that can sort of have, we've seen the other edge of that sword. You know, it can right. create some fun, exciting, erratic gameplay. But at the same time, Lauren talked about it in the second tribal council that for her, based on her own personal experience and based on her own view of the game, she was able to separate, you know, uh, the way that she felt about, you know, how people like Janet were being treated and separated it from what she needs to do to get herself further in the game. And I think where the big disconnect comes from, and even not only between Janet and the other people, but from the community and these people who are being understandably lambasted, is the fact that, to your point, Jess, I think people do feel like what Missy and Elizabeth did in particular, and obviously what Dan did, crossed a line you know it, it's always tough to figure out what is the line in survivor there's the whole zeke varner incident where people felt okay no matter what that crossed the line and i think that people can sort of ascribe this incident to it as well they felt that they went too far your mileage may vary on that again based on how you feel the parameters of a game should work but i, I really do feel like this comes from you know them thinking game first almost morality second and as a result it leads to what I would call one of the most immoral things done in the show's history. I would agree. Yeah, I think. And, you know, I've tried to, I don't like the fact that we just skip over the Dan of it all to get to um, that, that part does not sit well, but, and, um, but I've tried in like in the days to think about, right. Okay. I'm seeing the edit. Uh, I, you know, I'm trying to give any sort of like, you know, space and benefit of the doubt around how you could think that that was ever okay. And I still am like, how did you ever think that was okay? And how did you not, I feel, and we'll see whatever any other uh, ripples there are in the game. Obviously there's been ripples in the real world, but you know that this show is watched by millions of people. And these are real, these are real lives. These aren't like, you know, if you want to manipulate your story and and be morally dubious. Okay. But to manipulate someone else's story, Mm. that's their real life, their real character, their real experience that is real trauma is a definite line. And uh, I think like, there's just no, no two ways about it. You can't, you don't get to rope that into the game. I don't think. Um, Yeah. I, uh, so I, I think for me, uh, you know, when we talk about like, Oh, the game versus the events that happened, I think I just, I see parallels to, uh, something that happened in my personal life that was in it's sort of just to go back what you were saying about in, you know, workplace, it was in academia, it was in my workplace where essentially there was, uh, man who was in charge who had transgressions against and advances towards a, a woman in fact held back her partner's career project or trajectory um 
And then essentially nothing really came of it. Um, the woman and her husband ended up moving and the person in question is still in power. And it was the issue was the person who like the, the guy who, who did the bad thing, the poor woman who was involved, her husband. But then there were also everybody around the situation. So this guy was the head of the center. Um, and I know that there was a new young fat female faculty member who was pressured by her male colleagues to write a letter in support of this guy so these these were yeah these were people who were like around the situation and so that's sort of where i see you know missy and elizabeth like yes what dan did was awful and yes what this guy did was awful but then there's also people around that sort of don't exactly help the situation and so seeing all of this happen like everything was really a struggle to watch um but i think the person that i I really am struggling with is Dan again, like you guys are all saying, because the whole making excuses about, Oh, it's raining. We're crawling over small spaces, the touching Nora during his quote unquote apology. I mean, if, if anybody is looking for, for something that, well, okay. So there was this podcast on NPR called believe, and it was about Larry Nassar, who is an Olympic gymnast, uh, doctor right. who got away with abusing hundreds of women and girls for two decades. And you sort of see this pattern of behavior, these types of apologies and things that allow this behavior to go on. And it just, it's really, really uncomfortable even now, like talking about this, like it's bringing back all of these sort of like feelings. And I think, you know, this is where we as observers have to look at exactly what are the actions that are being done and think about our situations in our lives that may connect to this. Like this is not about survivor. This is about the the things that we see in our real lives that happen every day. And mm. we're not just talking about men abusing women. We're talking about all different kinds of abuse. And to really take an opportunity to not just be a bystander, to look at what's going on around you and actually make an effort and try to do something about certain situations. The whole thing with Janet being, um, you know, like, I, I feel like I'm not being supported or whatever she was saying at that second tribal council. And everybody goes, oh, no, no, no. We love you. We love you. That's so thoughts and prayers type yeah. moment. It's like words without actions. And, and that's where, you know, like I, I I hope that this makes people reflect about their own lives. I mean, that's that's really the most I can say. Well, and yeah, I I think so. Yeah, and to your to your point with that comment, that's again sort of what I was talking about. Where like they're saying, "Oh no, as a person, Janet, we love you," but from a game sense, I had to throw you under the bus and do this and do that. And I think it's also such an interesting discrepancy. Uh, I think this was written best, you know, in an article in True Dork Times, where I can comprehend why Missy and Elizabeth did what they did, but I cannot condone it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Because again, to me, I do feel like from a personal perspective, it crosses a line and is something that I personally would never do in a game like that. Again, your personal mileage may vary. It's clear theirs were very different than some of ours. But from a personal perspective, I can say that. And, you know, we have seen these apologies come out from these contestants. You know, we've had Janet call for kindness and it's an interesting dichotomy because obviously they have made their peace with them and part of me feels like while that is true they've also had months to have these conversations and to heal from it and the community is almost at a spot that they were in months ago when these feelings were raw so I'm not invalidating those feelings nor the arguments that have been made one way or the other by the community the past few days that being said, 
the the first half of the episode was so interesting because you thought like, okay, we see the Emmons. And this is the thing about Dan, too. And I'm sorry that I'm jumping around so much, but it's something that really gets me heated as well, is that, you know, there have been some arguments made of like, okay, Kelly did it. You know, uh, it happened to Kelly on the first, on day two. She talked about her and he backed away. But we were still seeing footage from like, Kelly said the day before that clip of Dan touching her hair and her like literally going into the ocean to get away from him was from like the day before. So it's very right. clear that any any sort of context he was given that maybe disappeared in the time that he was away from Kelly and it came roaring back. And I, I, I have no idea if Dan genuinely felt guilty, you know, when he was expressing any sort of apology and, and remorse uh, in that second tribal council. But it, it really is moments like that where you have to sort of like tilt your head and be like, OK, you do play ignorant for some time. Like, I had no idea you felt that way. But like when you do things like that and you see people interact like that and to your point, Liana, that makes me reflect personally as well. It makes me think back to, OK, have I had interactions with people, male or female, where I do something or I say something and that makes someone visually uncomfortable and how did that how do i react to that and how do i make sure to be more observant about that because no matter what situation you're in that is not okay from my perspective i i I think that is right and i i totally agree and the and the other like bit of context i've been trying to give uh, missy and elizabeth is we all have different boundaries of what we feel is appropriate And there is also the reality that there that women and, you know, other marginalized communities are programmed by our system to not speak up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I want to give like that that other level of empathy towards them that maybe there's even parts of them that don't feel like they are in tune with what their boundary is. Maybe they feel like they've been overly uh, encouraged to let stuff like that go. In, the, in whatever their walk of life has been to up to this point, that there that that didn't bump for them because they've been programmed to let that stuff go to be like, I mean, in the comedy community, there's like a trope of like, yeah, just be one of like, just be like a chill girl, just be like one of the guys don't mm-hmm. make a fuss. So I want to like also paint like a little bit of empathy in that direction of like, we don't know what their experience is and their own path and their own walk of figuring out where are my boundaries and am I letting people you know, make me uncomfortable and I'm letting it go because it's easier. Um, we don't really know. And uh, I, again, I'm with you. I can't, that doesn't mean I can condone what they did, but just as getting one step of trying to understand a little bit more of, we never know anybody's whole story. Um, so I want to also give them like a little bit of compassion in that direction. And that's part of the system too, is that people feel like they can't speak up, which Kelly you know, so admirably uh, was talking about and shining a light on. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when you like, oh, just listening to people and, and really trying to take in what they're saying. And, you know, just like the things that you talk about just so hit home because, you know, Kelly talks about this in the episode where, you know, you can't speak up because that's going to hold you back. And it's exactly right. You're trying to figure out, you know, what do how do you feel? How do you, you know, behave in these types of situations, especially when you are lower on the totem pole um, and you're just 
just sort of trying to figure everything out. I think the other thing I, I need to talk about is production in mm-hmm. this whole situation, because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have these group of people that are, you know, all in this weird contrived situation that is society, but also isn't society. And you have this authority figure that is quote unquote, you know, production. Um, and, you know, the the confessional where Kelly is crying in that first episode and production does say, you know, I think uh, so Peridium actually. So quick aside, Peridium has a transcript out of some of the conversations, which is really good. So check his Twitter. Um, but anyway, so the produ- production says, you know, if there are issues to the point where things need to happen, come to me and I will make sure that stops because that's I don't want anyone feeling uncomfortable. It's like, well, she's coming to you saying she's very uncomfortable, which mm. I mean, they do have the conversation, I guess, with everybody. But, you know, they're filming this. They're seeing this pattern of behavior and seeing the effect, at least that it has on Kelly. So I feel like they could have done more in this situation. Yeah, I agree. I also uh, I mean, I think I was I was pretty uh, I, I love I love Jeff and I feel like uh, whatever his like staying on Dan was, was, was a high point for me in terms of like the show framing it. I also, this is like, seems like so small, but I really, um, and I mean, forgive me if I missed it. I might've just like been, uh, I might've just been not paying close enough attention, but I really could have done with a postcard to this episode, you know, like, uh, you know, this is a serious, here are resources. This is a serious issue. This is something we're going to like continue to monitor. You know, I was like, wait, we're we're just going to, it's over. (laughs) I think the damage is already done. If you're a viewer, you know, like that watching that, you know, like I, I totally hear what you're saying, but like the experience has already happened for you. If you're a viewer who is affected by this and now it's, you know, being, reflected back at you in one of your favorite shows that can be a really like intense experience. So I was a little surprised that there wasn't um, just the owning of that reality, not in the narrative of the show. I totally get what you're saying to that point, but in just the narrative of this issue, I mean, you have an opening card that says we're going to deal with uh, a parental advisory. You know, they explain the meeting in the middle. It just feels like, okay, well you've now know that I've, I've watched this. Um, I think you can zoom out and give me like, Hey, we understand that this is a real issue, whether or not, whether or not it happened in what extent in this show, this happens all the time in the, in the world. Um, mm. uh, you're not alone. I feel like that's pretty easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, it feels, it definitely feels weird to think about the show uh, going like, I'm like, wow, I I've obviously will watch next week, but I'm, uh, it's just like, Oh, this is such a, this, I've never felt this way before. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, <laughs> Yeah, I've never felt this before watching the show. So it is still just a little like, gosh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know the perfect way to do it. And I think uh, nobody ever knows the perfect way to handle this, um, which shouldn't keep people from trying to do as much as they can. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And, and I think that that's the thing is, is that, you know, uh, 
no one knows the, the reason why the edit is murky and why this whole thing is murky because these are murky and awkward bizarre situations i mean not bizarre but like the, these are situations that um that aren't well defined i mean that's life right there's no black and white it's all gray area and we're trying to figure it out and trying to you know make these decisions about what people did what they didn't do what we thought was right what was wrong but in terms of watching the show moving forward it's going to be rough for me personally to watch the rest of the season. Um, and I mean, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Like you said, I'm going to watch it, but you know, it, it's tough. It's going to be really tough for me. So I can understand other people who, who feel similarly. Um, but I, I do, I just want to touch on, you know, there's been a lot of sort of negative reinforcement. I want to talk about positive reinforcement. Janet. Yes. Uh, oh, damn. Uh, Janet. Oh, girl. Janet. Janet oh, Jamal. God. Nora also Karishma. Um, I mean, like, I'm just so happy with the way that some of these people behaved, especially Janet and Jamal, at least what we saw. Um, you know, we know I know that this is an edited show. There may have been stuff like Janet apparently said that Tommy was really defending her. Um, but uh, damn, Janet, you go, girl. Damn it, Janet. Oh I God. love you. I mean, talk about how to watch it going forward the the how is to just will janet yeah. <laughs> i just like i that that is a person who just understood and was able to hold two truths simultaneously that you can make dubious moves in a game but there are also lines and her uh her courage her heart i just oh my gosh what an incredible woman um and I think that we would have been that tribal council would have been even worse had it not been for uh, Jamal's ability to um, step up and contextualize it in a uh, a broader conversation. And I felt like really learn based on his uh, tribal council previous where he was sort of like, hey, you might not be. Uh, perfect in your allyship in this moment as you talk about a, a women's alliance, I felt like. You saw him and this is why the game is great. And you can see it's like you see evolution, but on like fast forward (laughs) and you, you know, like I felt like I really saw him like listen. And I feel like he's he knows it's not like this is the first time he thought about this. Like, you know, he's a very intelligent person who thinks about these issues and has like, you know, uh, ability to talk about them gracefully. But I felt like specifically I was like, wow. (laughs) that's amazing that uh this is such a lovely you're being you're being so you're being such a good ally and friend and person in this moment and also i feel like i've watched you do it better than before which is like you know there's there are a few things that are more exciting than watching like um a great person get better (laughs) yeah Well, well that's the thing is i think a lot of people have also asked because obviously and jeff builds this up too of like Hey, people, you know, kids watch this show. And I think a lot of people have justifiably asked, like, what does this teach my kids? And again, maybe it's from like our own perspectives, pie in the sky mentality to sort of look at the positives, maybe more so than the negatives of, you know, what exactly Dan, quote unquote, got away with and the people that that maybe enabled that or at least uh, helped him get ahead by maybe enabling uh, some lies or some mistruths or exaggerations about that. But Honestly, like, I think you look to the Janets and you look to the Jamals. Janet's perspective was so interesting because it really does inform to me how much life experience does have a bearing on the way you approach Survivor. Because, I mean, she talks about being the mother hen, but it's so interesting 
watching her conversation with Dan in the first part of that second episode, which is, uh, it's infuriating. You know, it's the part where, you know, uh, Janet explains to Dan what she was told. Dan goes to Missy and Elizabeth, who then, you know, lie their butts off. Janet does call Elizabeth out, which is a little bit of karma there. Elizabeth ends up, you know, I think uh, with her hands in the air a bit, even though she tries to, again, they try to like gaslight Dan into not believing Janet once she leaves. But as soon as Janet talks to Dan about the situation, she says, you know, what what have you done in situations when someone has done this as one of your employees? And Dan says, oh, I would immediately fire them. And Janet says, so have I. And it was eye opening for me. You know, not only does Janet have a, a fantastic heart to be able to you know, listen to these stories and stick up for them and, and change her plans. You know, Dan was one of her closest allies going into the merge and she put her neck on the line for, you know, what she thought was a big issue going on. But she also has experience with this happening. And again, I, I don't want to excuse Missy and Elizabeth's behavior at all, but I find it so interesting that maybe another reason why the two of them did not have a big deal with doing this is because they haven't been in Janet's position. You know, like, I, it's not to say that they don't know the weight of these accusations, but Janet has been in a position where someone has come to her who trusts in her and says, this person is making me feel uncomfortable. You need to take action. And she has to take action swiftly. I feel like that is what completely informed the decision that she made that ended up really tanking her game, essentially, at least for the short term. And just to see how much that life experience informs how she approached that decision is not only so interesting, but again, just speaks to the amazing woman that she is. And while I agree, Liana, that maybe the words towards Janet and that second tribal council were hollow, I do believe that everybody there by the end of those, those two hours, both on the screen and off, felt that Janet was an absolutely incredible person. And I give her all the kudos in the world for, again, if we're talking about that line being murky, she stood up for what she felt was right game be damned and there is something to merit in that in my opinion i love janet i know i just love her so much (laughs) i already loved her you know and i just uh just to get like um i don't want to in any way make this transition like clunky towards the lighter side of things but um i will say the i feel the the shift in you know a little bit of better casting of the past few seasons because it's like this is the, what you get when it's not just uh, a lot, uh, too many young hot people. <laughs> like, you know, I don't, I, uh, please like forgive me if this is like um, too glib, but it's just like, you know, there were some seasons a few seasons ago where it was like, this is a lot of, um, even if they were great, incredible dynamic players, it's a lot of similar to your point, Mike, like differing life experiences makes for like the, a more compelling story and a more like, compelling version of what can we learn about this versus like, yeah, I'm also 24. (laughs) I'm also very good looking. Um, uh, So I just like think for all that the show does right when it like tries to uh, allow itself to inform larger conversations, I think a massive part of that is is an improvement in casting and making sure that we have a variety of narratives and a variety of um, backgrounds and in life experiences and ages and and races and genders and identifications and everything makes, it just makes the show not, not just like, Oh, this is better TV, but it makes it, you know, allow us to like really like sit in some, 
some bigger life moments, which I think is really valuable. Um, so I'm happy that someone like Janet is at the merge and not like, well, all the hot 24 year olds voted her off immediately, yeah. <laughs> um, which I yeah. feel like, you know, is a little bit of a trap that the show can sometimes fall into. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, the casting did give us Dan, but <laughs> on the other hand, absolutely but, right. <laughs> but here's the thing, but here's the thing though. I think that, you know, to your point, we got to see a situation on television that I think is extremely, extremely important. And although it was very uncomfortable for me to watch, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not happy that it happened, but if it was going to happen, I'm happy that it did because it gave us people like Janet and people like Jamal. And we got to see these types of behaviors. And, you know, even though I've given Jamal crap, you know, even last episode, like his speech during that final tribal council is just so empowering and so moving and so important. And we got to see that on our television screen. And I think it raises a lot of questions. This whole episode, this, you know, not just outside of, of Jamal's comments, but to, to, to be able to take the opportunity to talk about things that are real life issues. I mean, I guess, you know, yeah. Like thanks casting. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and like, I don't don't mean that the show, I think that the show just needs to be open to that happening, which it is. I don't think that that needs to be like a prescriptive. I don't think that like, you know, and I, uh, um, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to like overly congratulate. You're right. They did give us Dan, but it is like, make sure I think that there for me was a moment in the series where I felt like it was getting lured into too many, um, castaways who felt a little bit similar and then sprinkled among them would be these sort of like bigger outcasts. But if they couldn't, you know, it was like, oh, they're here's here's 19 people who are like this and five people who are like this. And they weren't necessarily if they maybe they couldn't survive long enough to make a big impact on the game. Um, the obviously the the reality of keeping physical powers uh, strong when you're in, you know, the tribe stage of the game, it just makes the game have a certain metronome. And I'm happy to see any time it can like break free of that. and. Um, just because I think it allows for, you know, I don't think that needs to be like a massive prescription of the show, but representation does matter. And, uh, and, and so I think like making bigger strides in that, in their casting, making sure that, you know, survivor really does reflect society and not just, uh, one age, you know, too limited of an age group. Yeah. The hot actors. Yeah. 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 Cause because then it becomes a little less like, realistic with warts and all and more a little more like a very special episode of beverly hills 90210 you know and i I will say you know say what you want to about again like the the actions people make and maybe how it reflects on their games but i will also give people like janet and jamal and kelly massive kudos for talking to us and i think that's sort of what you were getting at before just with jamal's speech and you know kelly talking to the cameras like there are moments that transcend this game there are moments where you acknowledge that it is reality television and you know there are millions of people watching and i really do appreciate them not only you know making moves for their own you know for their own morality i suppose but also for telling us why and you know why why they did this and why they shouldn't be doing this i totally agree and i'm very glad that jamal also said what he did in the moment as well because i think that and i hope that Aaron obviously like obviously I think all these people have learned their lesson in one way shape or form by watching the episode and watching the fallout from it if the apologies on the internet are of any uh indication 
But I think that Aaron and at least hopefully some of the other guys learned in that moment from Jamal what role they should be playing in all this. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And I, and I will say, uh, first of all, I'll ask if, if either one of you have any more stuff you want to say about this specific subject before before we move on here. Uh, the only thing I'd say is I think at this point, like everyone on Survivor basically is a lover of the game. The show's long, like existed long enough. And now like the game has morphed into most people on Survivor are massive Survivor fans who understand, idolize and like have dreamt of being on the show. It's not in the early days where it's like, I don't know, my friends said I should do it. You know, I think so. I think we're now in this place where they love the game so much. Uh, the players that they also know that it can have these moments, which I think is a good, a good thing because they we've now have seen when survivor can like punch through the game and talk about something that's a little bit bigger. So now I think they're also stepping off of previous examples to know that that's part of it and not be, you know, you're never going to go back to season one. Like you can't pretend mm. that this is a, in a vacuum. You know that millions of people watch this show. You know what the show means to you. So you know that reality. And I think when people can step out of that and remember that and remember that they also used to be someone watching it on their couch, that I think that that's when that Kelly, you know, down the barrel, the camera moment and why it means so much and not why, but that's like part of why I think it's, there's been made space for that is that, yeah, yeah, you have to understand that this is watched by millions of people. You know, you're not actually marooned on an Island just to like find coconuts. (laughs) Like it's a, it's a, television show with like massive impact it has impacted you so you know it can impact others i guess that's what i mean is that we are now and we've inherited seasons and seasons of people who the show has already had an impact on them as a viewer and i feel like in cool ways they really take that seriously um uh, you know i feel like we've seen that transition of like basically the casts are super fans um and i think they take the mantle pretty seriously a lot of the time and i think that that gives us these valuable moments that we can all learn from mm. I think I think for me, this isn't about Survivor. Like, I, I know that we're talking about it in the context of Survivor, but I just see so many parallels to things that I've seen in my real life, in the workplace and in social situations. And I think if there's I mean, literally, I'm OK, I'm looking at the New York Times Twitter account right now. And there is uh, this is tweeted out 20 minutes ago, an article about um, two women who were writers for a television show who left their jobs after accusations against one of the producers for sexual harassment. This is still happening. This is still going on. And these things, if we're going to take anything away again, it's just like, let's just take a look at the things that are happening around us because there might be situations that you want to turn your head to or think, oh no, this isn't, you know, this isn't my place. This isn't a situation. But I, I think Jamal, you know, really talked about it succinctly when he says, you know, I'm listening very carefully to what everyone has to say from my position with my gender. And so he's, you know, really reflecting about his position, how he fits within this whole situation. And and I think that's what I want people to take away from this. That's what I'm taking away from this um, is to be reminded of what are the things that I can do? How should I be behaving? And what are the situations that are going on around me that might have parallels to the things that I've seen in this these two episodes of Survivor? Yeah, on that note, yes. uh, and, I, and I tweeted this out, but obviously the issues of sexual harassment and, you know, sexual assault are very pervasive in our culture today, even outside of Survivor, as you're saying, Liana. And I know that after Wednesday's episode, a lot of us felt 
powerless for these people, understandably so, because there was obviously nothing we could do. This happened, you know, several months ago. And we, we just had to watch it happen. But there is something that we can do now. So I do encourage people, you know, if you do still feel like you, you want to help in some way, shape or form, you know, obviously the apologies have been made. You know, Janet, who is, again, still one of like, the best people on Earth. Uh, sent out, you know, and Jamal sent out these comments like, hey, I, I greatly appreciate the support. You know, please do not dig into these people. They are learning as well. And so I would say take those feelings. And if you have the resources, donate to a charity that helps sexual harassment and sexual assault victims. I, I tweeted a couple of them out, but Rain, R-A-I-N-N, P-C-A-R, the Relief Fund for Sexual Assault Victims, H-12, or even from a local perspective, you can volunteer or donate at, at, to local shelters. Uh, like you said, Leon, I, I think that, you know, the most beneficial thing we can do is take what we've seen and turn it into an actionable item. Whether that means how mm -hmm. you're going to comport yourself in real life or what you might do to help better the situation for others. That's what I'm going to do. I think that's what we are going to do. Maybe you will as well. But, you know, everyone has their different ways of handling things. And obviously, I want to thank both of you for being super open about not only your own experiences, but, you know, how the show made you feel based on those experiences. It was rough. <laughs> and then, I mean, I think that's the thing is like, you know, we're doing the B&B &B and it's like, oh, we're fun. We're silly. We're games. I think taking we don't, I, I didn't want to us to just completely sweep this under the rug. It's important that we had this discussion. We can do the fun, silly stuff because it's also important to not forget about the things that bring you joy and the silly, fun things. And again, things aren't black and white. Things are, are, are gray. And so, yes, we're going to have this discussion. But yes, we're also going to play some really stupidly silly games. And, and I think both are important. And um, and like, guys, I just love you guys. Aww, <laughs> big hug. Well, let, let's get into the fun and games here and let's take a hard left turn uh, because we spoke so highly about how great Kelly and Jamal just were, you know, as people in this double episode. Unfortunately, we did see them go frustratedly uh, so with kelly who oh had two God. idols <laughs> uh, it's crazy i, uh, I honestly do feel like and she sort of spoke about this in her final words that like there almost is a weird graph of like the more idols you have the more comfortable you feel like i don't think it's any coincidence that you had like her and james clement both go out with two idols in their pocket because they just felt so insulated that they feel like they almost didn't need to play them at all yeah, right. It's weird. Uh, you know, they don't do any good sitting in your pocket, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Though I wish that she could have had a presentation like Vince and like pulled them out in her final words in some way, shape or form to like show off her flair a little bit. Right. <laughs> well, uh, Liana. Let, so yeah, well, Liana, let, let's hear from you. Let's start with Kelly. Uh, let's start with the woman who has been like obviously the main focus for a variety of reasons over the past couple of episodes. How did you think Kelly was going to do preseason? Uh, okay, so in the answer to your question about what soup she would be if she was a type of soup, she said a clear broth with lots of stuff in it. Okay. That being said, uh, I had Kelly as making the finale and being in the final three. Whoa! Yeah, I was really high on Kelly going into the season, um, although I did have her losing in the final three. Um, and this is what I wrote. Kelly was a broth to the walls kind of game player, which is the reason she. Wait, what does that expression even mean? Like, like balls to the walls. <laughs> like, <laughs> broth to the wall. 
I don't know. <laughs> I got it. I got okay. it. I really liked it. Okay. Thanks, Jess. Um, and so that's the reason a broth to the walls kind of game player, which is why she made it all the way to the final three. She played hard, but her game was very transparent and the jury felt hurt by her bold moves. During the final tribal council, the jury critiqued her gameplay. And despite going to Harvard, Kelly couldn't use her noodle to get out of this sticky situation. She received two votes from the jury members who appreciated all the stuff to her game. But ultimately, she lost to Jack. Do you think so when in terms of your final three situation, did you have her finishing as like a runner up, though? Was it like a nine to two to zero vote? Yes, that was the situation. Okay, well, that's that's still pretty good on Kelly, at least comparatively and especially compared to my poor, poor assessment of Kelly Kim. And this is where I think, unfortunately, my ability to talk to them preseason betrayed me a bit. Uh, because if anybody listened to especially Josh Wiggler's audio interviews, you know that Kelly was pretty darn sick a couple days before the game started. My mind instantly flashed back to poor Sierra Reed from Token Chains, who like had a sinus infection like the first couple days in the game and was like immediately targeted. So it <laughs> sucks to say I had Kelly going pre-jury and I could not have been happier to be more wrong. I said that she would get shown as the kooky person on Vokai, even more than Nora. Uh, I said she would have like a vote stalling moment in the voting booth, like with Hannah, where she just like couldn't decide what to do. And I said, ultimately, her sickness combined with the bad weather makes her an easy first boot from her tribe. Her closest ally was Jack. Her worst enemy was Janet. This may be the worst prediction I think I've ever written, even when I had better information than you, Liana. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, it's it was it was a rough one. I'm I'm just so happy that Kelly superseded my expectations. I guess I was just so like th- I was so focused in on the sickness, and I really loved mm-hmm. getting to talk with Kelly as well. Down to her, you know, saying that she was really trying to play mind games preseason by wearing like holy tie dye cat T shirts to make sure that nobody knew she was super smart and reading like YA novels. And ironically enough, like she ends up getting booted because people say she's too smart. So like. I guess a cat t-shirt can only take you so far. <laughs> cat tea can't hide that brain, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe a cat hat could have. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, so let's talk about Jamal because obviously Jamal was my winner pick after he found the jankiest hidden immunity idol in Survivor history. They ended up playing for Nora. Here's what I had to say about Jamal. I said that Jamal uh, would have a moment of counseling where he helps at least one person have an epiphany on the island about themselves. I said he'd get blindsided at least a couple of times and he'd go on an immunity run near the end. And then I sort of put in parentheses after going over this that basically I just wrote him a Nick Wilson arc and that he'd have the essentially the exact same journey as Nick. I, I said his closest ally would be Molly and his worst enemy would be Tommy. Okay, the Molly thing was close, and he did get blindsided at yeah. the Molly boot. And he did have a, a moment or two where he was counseling people, so, like, it's not yeah. too far off the beaten path. For some reason, I just imagine, because Jamal even admitted he's like, I, I may, like, look like a big guy, but I'm not good at endurance challenges. But So for some reason, all I had in my head was, like, he loses Molly, for example, and then he goes on, like, an immunity slash idol run to the final three, and then he ends up winning. And hopefully one of those idols that would be used would be my little rinky-dinky idol. Oh, <laughs> you're a sweet baby idol. Um, okay, so I uh, so Jamal was obviously not my winner pick, but I did have him making the finale. 
So Jamal made it all the way to the final six by staying true to himself. This genuine nature bonded him with fellow tribe mates, especially the other chicken soup people. Oh, yeah. His uh, his soup was uh, Gasada de Polo, which is a chicken soup. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, okay. However, the survivor slash survivor soup slash soup gods did not smile upon him at the final six. In an absolutely insane tribal council, there was a standoff between the chicken soup people, Jamal, Elaine, and Jack, against the others, Elizabeth, Lauren, and Kelly. Rocks were drawn, and Jamal was the odd chicken out. Not no fault of his own, but sometimes that's how the chips fall or how the meat falls off the chicken bone. Question mark. <laughs> tender question mark. Wow. Broth, broth against the wall is looking better and better the more you read these predictions. <laughs> I think that last sentence I was supposed to edit, but I never <laughs> You just it was a run on sentence of like, does this work? I think it's working. Maybe it's working. Uh that's so interesting because I mean I would argue, and I think something that unfortunately sort of got overshadowed by a lot of this stuff going on is Jamal got pretty darn screwed by I- Island of the Idols this episode. So it wasn't exactly, oh uh, you know, a rock draw, but certainly the survivor soup gods were working against him at some point. <laughs> Can we talk about Jamal and the Island oh of the God. Idols? Like, in, in the episode, I was so mad I couldn't even appreciate how ridiculous what was happening was happening but going back and just thinking about this whole situation it's like okay so he finds a hanging piece of paper <laughs> then he gets to go just just hanging there everybody would have grabbed it he yeah, goes well, to the well, yeah, what, I, I forgot what didn't it say something the lawns of lines of like i got your mind i got you you got this now like it, i feel like if it could have a <laughs> mouth it would like be speaking and be like hey come find me <laughs> yes it was a pixar short yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, so he picks he picks up the Pixar piece of paper and then he gets taken over to the island of the idols where he gets screwed by saying, Oh, psych, you lost your vote. And Boston Rob is being a total dick. Oh yeah, like not situation. not since the first episode of Hey, why did you challenge me even though I said you should have? Like we he's been okay, especially last week. He was like, Pat on the back, Janet. Great job, Janet. And then this week he's like, ha ha ha. What were you doing? You shouldn't have picked up that piece of paper when you were on the bottom. You should have known it was too good to be true. Such a good Mayor Quimby. I was going to say, like, I think my uh, my boss and Rob has turned into JFK very, very quickly. <laughs> Ask not what the island of the idols can do for you. Well, and then so that's the next thing. And like, I you could see Jamal seething during this conversation, right? Like, as Rob's like really trying to be patronizing him of like hey jamal do you know what this is like it's a blank piece of paper rob is like no 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 jamal put on your thinking cap it's a world of possibilities oh my god and the whole like what could you do with the parchment and the paper yeah have you ever seen a pencil before on survivor yeah, what? Jamal's face, though, just, oh, he looks so pissed. That would have been me, but worse. Oh, my gosh. Like, props to Jamal for keeping it together, because are you freaking kidding me? Like, you think you, you're you on the bottom. You think you find this thing. You get dragged out, and then essentially you just get repeatedly kicked because it's like you don't get your vote, and now you have to do this stupid thing, and you're being taunted by Boston Rob. Oh, yeah, God, that's that the thing. brutal. It's not like you couldn't. Everyone else had, like, it's not okay. You automatically lost your vote, except Elizabeth basically did in challenging Boston Rob to fire. It was more so like, I don't know. Maybe if he had given them a chance, like, hey, you lost your vote right now, but if you get someone to actually think this is an advantage and play it at tribal council, then you get your vote back. 
or something, you know, like it felt like, and you know, I guess I give credit to Jamal uh, for, you know, at least trying to do something. I actually do want to talk in a second about an option that I heard from a listener of what he could have done, which may have made the situation a bit better. But like at this point, he wasn't working to help his own game. He was working to just sabotage another person's game, you know, to just pass the buck along. I just the the whole thing was ridiculous. Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. And we are back. So let's keep on keeping on. So I got this idea from Peter Gus, who is the fiance of the great Shannon Gates, who did an amazing job filling in on the know-it-alls where Boston Rob said, Jamal, use this pencil and paper and, you know, make something happen. But what Peter suggests is a really interesting idea that essentially does away with the pencil. What if Jamal comes back? And first, I do think that, you know, something that did sort of shoot him in the foot was the way he publicly presented not only his story, but the advantage. Let's say he doesn't do that. Let's say he pulls people aside, presents them with the blank piece of paper and says, this is an extra vote. And I can give this to you to use at the next tribal council or something down the line as long as you keep me in the game. I wonder if there's something to like not even using the pencil whatsoever and making up an advantage saying you you did a sloppy copy of something you saw and you're giving it to Dean because it's his birthday. If there's something along the lines of like, hey, I got an extra vote, so I'm going to give it to you if you do something for me. Jess, obviously the alternative uh, was, you know, did not help his game. But what do you think about that idea? Yeah, I love that. When I first saw it, I I thought that's what it was. I was like, oh, but he can make a fake extra vote. Uh, You know, that's like the next stage in the in the fake idol invention. Okay, great. And then, yeah, I was like, don't use the pencil (laughs) or like definitely the this um, this 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 idea that you must explain your island of the idols as like story time. (laughs) Just be like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take you uh, one by one. No, everyone gather around. It's time for a different lie about the yeah. island, especially as more people have right. gone. It's so funny and, and silly. And one of my favorite parts of the episode was when he's like, yep, uh, thanks, everybody. I kind of yes. just walked away. Well, well, that's my time. Uh, hope everyone enjoyed my, uh, my tight five. Yep, I'm getting the light. Uh, thanks so much for having me. This is a great. Uh, I'm getting, I'm getting the, the torch. Uh, congratulations! Yeah. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. I'll be uh, I'll be down at Ponderosa a couple days yeah. later. People want to tune in for my second story time. Oh my gosh! Um, uh, yeah, I I think that that's a great idea to just say it's an extra vote. Um, what was so What was so great about that moment too was when Jim, like the whole tribe was still just sitting there. walked away to be like all right here's here's my story here's my fake (laughs) advantage i'm gonna give you time to discuss whether it's legitimate or not and i'll just be over in this corner now oh my gosh uh and i loved and i loved listen detective dean has not been on many good (laughs) a good run but i think he finally cracked this case of the fake advantage i think he was able to figure out that it's not that's not actually legitimate yeah. My, my favorite Dean quote was, I can't read it. Because <laughs> it's like smudged because it's pencil. It's pencil. I wonder if, oh my God. I wonder if Jamal could have done, you know, when you, you go to like a memorial, I know we've all done this in like elementary school and you do like the shading of the pencil mm. against it mm-hmm. to like make the, yeah. the rubbings. I wonder if he, 
he could have said he did that with uh with you know the what was on the board because yeah the, i know again jamal had very little to work with but the story of okay it was up on these boards and i had to you know essentially transcribe it because i couldn't you know obviously bring a parchment here that actually has everything printed out is like and then he was trying to do like all these fancy fonts i love that he put like the library card blanks at the bottom to make it a legacy advantage of like dean it's yours first and we'll write other people's mm-hmm. names in it now yeah i also like i feel like enough people have been to the island of the idols that maybe also the bigger move is hey for those of you who haven't gone yet um it's like uh sandra and boston rob and you get little challenges and i mine was lame um <laughs> like is um and so I, I didn't really get anything uh and then to just like out the other people but everyone else uh probably got something cool you know like mm. I, I i'm confused as to why people aren't uh like unless they've been instructed so that everyone can have that moment on the beach where they're like what big statues um which by the way i mean i think everyone knows who they are but i have this thought that on the boat right over they are like hey be excited well Um, i mean there was definitely some talk about that when that happened with nora where she literally said i know who you are uh, but Jamal, yeah. had, Jamal had an amazing reaction. I thought nothing could top Janet's wide open awe. But Jamal literally saying, get out of here and turning around and walking in the other direction, which arguably maybe he should have done. If he, if he yeah. kept walking forward, uh, that maybe he doesn't end up losing his vote if he just turns back and goes the other way. I mean, do you think they're being told not to tell people that they're there? To keep it a surprise. Uh, I mean, that's definitely the speculation, right? Because when you see people, because I think only Elaine and Elizabeth have actually, we've seen conversations about the island of the idols. So, which if you go, don't you want to talk about it with someone that you know is gone, you know? So, uh, so I mean, that's my speculation, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. And I also know, you know, I've been watching the Ponderosas and there's a moment that I want to bring up later on because uh, they're just they're delightful Ponderosas because they're delightful people. But, you know, Jamal talks about his Island of the Idols experience with Kelly and Jack's in the room. And Jack has like no reaction to finding out like, yeah, I met with Rob and Sandra. So my hunch is either when Jack got out of the game, I'm assuming Kelly told him because they probably he probably wondered like, hey, where'd you get that idol from? And she's like, oh, this is what Island of the Idols is all about, which is weird because like the jury is still technically part of the game. But I guess if Kelly felt she was free to share that information. But yeah, I mean, Jamal, I love Jamal, but Jamal got hosed here. He, he really mm-hmm. did. Yeah, really. Oh, I felt so bad for him. <laughs> and to have this absolutely ridiculous situation embedded in the episode of, for you know, for what it was, it's just like, oh man, it was rough. Well, here's, mm-hmm. here's another quick idea that maybe Jamal could have done. So maybe he had to say he lost his vote. Could he exaggerate the tenure and say, oh, I lost my vote for the next two tribal councils. Because, Liana, to relate this back to Big Brother, if we remember in Big Brother 8, Jamika at one point in time, like, lost her ability to compete in, like, five HOH competitions. And that essentially meant she was safe until that point. You know, like, why right. why keep not keep someone in the game who is guaranteed not to be able to take you out because they can't win a competition? It's not exactly a one-for-one comparison, but I wonder if that could have saved Jamal in this moment where if they said, okay, if he can't vote next vote either, why do we need to take him out now? Yeah, I think that's uh, I, a great point. The, the difference here is, is that he's useless to you as an ally. Like, yeah, he can't vote for you, but he can't vote with you. 
Um, so, you know, it's less clear, right. Than having someone who can't compete. Now, if he couldn't compete for immunity, you know, then, <laughs> then maybe you Ima- imagine if he made that up and he's like, uh, no, Jeff, per the rules, wink, wink, I'm going to have to sit this <laughs> one out. Yeah. For the next like four weeks or, you know, however many. Right. So yeah, that could have been it, but, uh, oh man, poor Jamal. Well, let's turn to you just speaking of uh, mentors on the island of the idols, and hopefully you will not be as rough on us as Boston Rob was with poor Jamal. (laughs) But what do you have to bring to us to educate us this week? Um, Okay. All right. Um, Thank you so much, Sandra. Hold this. Um, uh, Sandra, you talk in a second, uh, uh, but only a little bit. Um, uh, um, (laughs) Okay. So. I think uh, uh, an important lesson in the game is timing. You know, there's certain times to make big moves. There's certain times to sit back. There's timing in uh, when you break up an alliance and when you stick with an alliance. So uh, to to sort of give you a little boot camp on the importance of timing, I'm going to um, educate you on the process in which I watch Christmas movies. Oh, perfect. Ooh. I love it. I mean, listen, to some some people have already been celebrating. Some people say, you know, too soon, too soon, but you are the educator, so we are at your mercy here. Yes, I would say uh that you shouldn't be watching Christmas movies yet unless uh <laughs> you're watching um them on in the background. Um because I think you really want to make sure that Thanksgiving has its time and its space. And I know, listen, we're all dealt certain cards. Thanksgiving's really late this year and it's throwing a lot of us off, myself included. And maybe we're starting to think, could I watch a few before Thanksgiving? Well, yeah, maybe if you have a list of 20 movies that you watch every year and maybe you, you know, make it as a checklist, you might think I'm going to run out of time because Thanksgiving is so late, which is why I sort of like to put the movies in categories. Um, Mm. And so I'd like, I'd inform, I'd encourage you to do this in your own life. Okay. So there are your Christmas movies that transition you from Thanksgiving to Christmas. There are your bad Christmas movies, which you can watch earlier in the season because they have uh, less import in your celebration. There are Christmas movies that are only good because of nostalgia. And then there are legitimately excellent Christmas movies, which are to be savored and saved until really about the last week so that you get that final boost. Just as you're starting to get tired, overworked, overstressed, maybe you're having Christmas with your in-laws and they don't really watch Christmas movies and you are just falling asleep to this on your laptop. Mm. I don't know. Maybe that's something you did. Or maybe you have to take advantage of that cross-country flight to get in one more Christmas movie because you've run out of time. So um, I want to, uh, I say, um, yeah, think of it as three main categories, transitional, bad, and legitimate. <laughs> okay, so, so uh, um, I'm going to ask you, um, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a Christmas movie and uh, I want you to tell me where you think it, where you think it would lie. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Good. Okay, um, Meet Me in St. Louis. Ooh, I never even think about that as a Christmas movie, but I guess it does have Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas in it. Uh, what do you think, Liana? Like, classic Judy Garland, trolley-based fare. Do you think that's a good, yeah. bad, or a transitional? I don't know. It kind of feels like, I mean, it, it could be a good, like, legit, or it could be transitional, like you said, if you don't necessarily think of it as a Christmas movie. I feel like there's something about watching 
that watching a film about transportation while you're on transportation, that there's some sort of solidarity <laughs> there. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with transitional. You be correct. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's Wait, right. Because this is cor correct by your classifications. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's, okay. Awesome. That's right. Good. Uh, um, yeah, because you know, we are really only dealing with Christmas in the last part. So you have, it's a perfect movie for, for those of you who want to, you know, push back and watch this before Thanksgiving. I'd say that is permissible because, you know, we're only dealing with Christmas in the final, the final section of the movie, except for our little coda that's spring where they get to go to the fair. I'm really impressed, Mike, with how much you knew about me. <laughs> it's a little bit of also, in my opinion, a slight deeper cut. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't let you answer, Liana. I just was too oh, excited. I, I, that we, you got, we're, we're, you got it in pure. No, we'll, 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 yeah, exactly. We're going to try to work together on this, which, by the way, I also thought, going back to Jamal, that I thought Jamal and Karishma were going together. I felt very bad that, oh. like, that Karishma, I, for a second, I thought that, like, Karishma had to, got screwed out of an advantage because Jamal, I guess, touched the Pixar note first. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was, that was really. Well, yeah, it was it was good for her. <laughs> um, okay, okay. Um, the Family Stone. The Family Stone. Mm. Okay, so traditional, bad, or legit? Um, I don't know, Mike. What do you think? I mean, the Family Stone. It's a big like ensemble movie. It's fairly recent. I mean, I guess it's two thousand five. I don't know if it's five. I think. Yeah. I feel like I want to say bad. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think, okay, I think we could go with bad. You are correct. Um, listen, it's bad. It's good. People get eggs, like, dripped all over them. What? This is a perfect one for December 2nd where you're kind of not, not even really paying attention to it. You're maybe starting to, like, really get serious about your online shopping because you're running out of time, but you're also, like, <laughs> cooking dinner or folding laundry. Like, that's really where Family Stone is going to sing for you. Um, you know, it's going to be right in that sweet spot of like, yeah, I can kind of watch this. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, okay. Uh, the Polar Express. Ooh. Oh, God. Terrible. Bad. Oh, interesting. I was going to say good. Because it's for me, it's the uncanny valley part that just freaks me out. Right. You're, so, thinking, you're thinking about like Tom, I, I Tom Hanks, weird CGI. I, yeah, I can't, I can't. I can't even get over it. So that, I feel like I feel like it's good. Answer, I want to say good because it's completely like it's related to Christmas. Like it's 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 directly related to like let's go to the North Pole. Santa shows up. I feel like that's a tenet of a good Christmas movie that you want to watch <laughs> like right before it happens. Okay, this, this is a trick question. Don't watch it. What? It's yeah. really scary and bad. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yes. You. Um, the Uncanny Valley is too much. Uh, this is this is not my Tom Hanks. Um, I just like it's not my Polar Express. It's too weird and scary. The hot chocolate song is very good, but you can just listen to it. Um, yeah, this is a no for me, dog. Um, and uh, I'm sorry that <laughs> I'm sorry that this completely subjective game had a trick question. <laughs> oh, I feel so vindicated though. It's okay. <laughs> listen, if it, uh, we learned this week that things are usually too good to be true, and I guess a, a quiz with only That's three right. choices and a hidden fourth That's answer right. Is, is right. And I meant it. Um, okay, so uh, okay, now I'm going to mix it up. Okay, say time got away from you. Timing. We're coming back to the theme of this lesson. You thought it was about Jessica's personal taste in Christmas movies, but it's actually about <laughs> timing. Okay, so you're running out of time. 
you, you know, there's new, there's new Christmas movies every year. You want to watch Noel on Disney plus, or you wanted to watch let it snow on Netflix. Cause they're always making more Christmas movies. And suddenly you've, the time has gotten away from you and you only have time to watch one of the three Christmas vacation, Christmas story. It's a wonderful life. Oh man. Okay. Well, I feel like it's a wonderful life is so long that I don't know if it's a one sitting type of film. Like maybe if you're on a cross country flight, it's perfect timing, but I don't know if I want it like right before Liana, do you, do you have any thoughts about crossing that one right off the list? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I So I have I have a gut answer to this. And my dad does not listen to this podcast. But if he were, he would be disappointed in me if I answered anything other than the Christmas story. So we watch that movie every year. It's like one of the few that and a blackout or Christmas carol that we always watch. And so I think if I if I didn't say that, I know this is a super hypothetical situation. My dad will never listen, but like I can feel it that he will be mad at me somehow. So I personally have to go with the Christmas story. It's interesting because I would go with Christmas Vacation. It's because my family has your tradition where we watch Christmas Vacation. Even when I married into, you know, my wife's family watches it. Apparently, they've already gotten my son uh, Christmas Vacation onesies that says uh, that's an RV clock. I'm pretty sure there's one that says like the shitter's full in reference to the septic tank from the RV. So I might have to support my own family, I suppose, and go with Christmas vacation. So we have divulged once again. And I'm going to say it's another trick because there's no wrong way to celebrate the holidays. Oh, <laughs> it's such a heartwarming lesson. I know. Oh, guys, the timing is your own. If you watch no holiday movies, you know, watch no Christmas movies. That's great, too. But I really just love those answers. Um, for me, that is this is my real. That's a tough call for me. And I've put myself in this position because I save those three for too long. And then suddenly I'm like, crap, it's the 23rd. And I haven't watched any of them because they're my top three. And um, my like, you need to revisit. It's wonderful. life. It's not that long. I mean, it is long, but it's not like it. It's it's not unbearably long. And, you know, it's a lot of fun and games. It doesn't get in terms of like movies that I I misremember, like the act structure. That movie is is like just Buffalo Girls and a great time for a lot of it. And the part where he doesn't exist is actually like 15 minutes of the movie. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, it's pretty short. I mean, he's sad. Like we see some sad stuff, but the full It's a Wonderful Life uh, magic miracle treatment is pretty short in in comparison to the rest of the movie. Um, But I also love Christmas Story and Christmas Vacation. Those are both big in my family. And when my uh, when I was dating my husband, it was revealed to my family that he had never seen Christmas Vacation, to which my brother in law said, Jess, you can't just date people <laughs> which is still um a famous quote in our family like how can you date this guy if he's never seen it and we've since remedied that obviously um but uh but those those three sometimes i just get myself in a pickle yeah i wait too long so you know sometimes you have to make those big moves earlier than you think maybe you need to watch christmas story on the 8th and just be okay with it that's my Advice. Yeah. You gotta make big moves <laughs> and you gotta watch big movies. That's what Jeff Probst would That's always say. Right. Big moves, big movies. <laughs> um, and just like for everyone's edification, I do make a uh, like truly like a fourth grader style uh, checklist with 
uh, red and green markers that I put on my fridge of the Christmas movies. And just, just to put it on record, I'm going to read the list really quickly. Yes, please do. Mimi in St. Louis, Family Stone, Miracle on 34th Street, Arthur Christmas, White Christmas, Love Actually, Muppets Family Christmas, Muppets Christmas Carol, The Santa Claus, Charlie Brown Christmas, Elf, Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Christmas Story, It's a Wonderful Life, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the cartoon, not the Jim Carrey terror show. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Oh, but what about the Another ben, unwatchable. The, what about the Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch hybrid cartoon and horror show? Um, that's a no for me, dog. I appreciated seeing it the one time in the theater last year. I was like, mm, that was like, okay, charming. I, it doesn't, it doesn't make the uh, permanent list for me, you know? Well, it's interesting. Yeah, exactly. And, and not anything by like Akon or whatever auto tune thing they might come out with in a new version <laughs> of it. Uh, well, it's interesting that you bring up celebrities here, Jess, because our first game here has to do with some celebrities. And this just comes completely, again, tangential to everything from these past couple of hours. Uh, so I don't know if, if either one of you listened to the Office Ladies podcast, which is a new Office rewatch podcast from Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey. But Jenna Fisher told a story in uh, last week's episode, which was about the Alliance, which apparently was like inherently based on Survivor, that she was such a big Survivor fan that Jeff Probst officiated her wedding. And so... I felt like what I would want to do is go through a list of people that we know, at least at some point in time, were Survivor fans. So how this game is going to work is I'm going to provide, we'll go back and forth, I'll provide you with a celebrity name, super simple, tell me if they are a Survivor fan or not. Before we get into that, though, you know, we've, we have all had our various experiences with marriages. How would we feel if Jeff Probst officiated our respective weddings? Whoa. Man. Honored. <laughs> deeply honored especially if it started with conan guys um yeah. if that's how everyone was called together instead of we're gathered here today just uh come on in guys jess and morgan are gonna get married yeah all right let me tell I you let it. me tell you what you're getting you're getting yeah. bliss you're getting oh my god you're getting Gosh. looking living together you're getting maybe kids <laughs> all the fixins you remember last season when he tried to make a rap sound delicious yes. <laughs> where you'll have raps i was like nobody's excited about a rap jeff but god bless you for trying um yeah that would be awesome my my husband's not like a massive survivor fan so it would feel a little one-sided um but uh it would lean a little too much into my camp but um wow that would be incredible yeah, I've I've had this thought if I ever get married again is either I'm not going to do anything, no ceremony, no nothing, uh, maybe something small, or I got to go all out, something like this. Get Jeff Probst, get buffs, get torches. Get, you know what I mean? Like, if, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, right? So exactly like that, you know, we'll we'll make everybody for the reception live on an island for 30, you know, nine days. I, I think just really go, go broth to the walls here. Yeah. But I guess the problem is, is that I feel like when you give your vows, he's going to ask questions, you know, like he'll be like, right. Liana, you said that you would love him despite his stinky breath. What exactly did you mean by that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're not going to drop this. I'm not going to drop this. <laughs> like Jeff Probst just, I just want also, you know, when we walk off, then he just gives the final words also. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well you there know, you, like we learned in life. <laughs> there you have it. A partnership that walks off together, much like the strongest survivor bond is built in trust, 
love, and a lot of money. <laughs> grab your, grab, <laughs> grab your programs. Head to the reception. Good night. Good night. Yeah, uh, exactly. Oh, man. And I would love for, you know, if I have like bridesmaids or whatever, then they have to draw rocks for whoever gets to read, you know, do the reading or whatever. I was going to say, right? or, or so, you like, throw rocks into the crowd instead of the bouquet. <laughs> oh yeah, I think that might be a little dangerous. Um, but yeah, we we can we can workshop that a bit. Have you ever been to a wedding where like the um res- like respective parents light the candles and then the couple lights the one unity candle? Mm-hmm. That's definitely just like your mom's competing in a fire making challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do that instead. Oh, that's so much better. Lois <laughs> Lois has got a flame, but is it big enough and strong enough to break through that rope it's, to release the rings? It's burning bright but it's also dying down is there enough fuel down there <laughs> can prank build his pole long enough and strong enough to retrieve the rings from the from the ring barrier to get to, to the bride and groom uh, yeah as long as we get the ball puns then like i'm here for it <laughs> yeah well, yep. let, let's move in here. And Liana, we'll start with you. So again, I'm going to give a celebrity name. You have to guess either are they a Survivor fan at one point in time or not. Let's start with Mr. Zach Morris himself, Mark Paul Gosselier. Uh Oh, my gosh. Um, OK, yes, we'll go with yes. That is correct. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing to base that on. I don't know how many more of the Bayside Six are Survivor fans, but apparently, I mean, it would make sense. Zach Morris is by far like the most cutthroat of them all, so I think that wouldn't make sense. Uh, all, right. all right, Jess, let's go to you. Let's stick on the school theme here. Kyle Chandler, Survivor fan or not? Oh man, I want him to be. Oh, oh my gosh! Clear eyes, full hearts. He's not that is correct uh I, actually scott porter who plays a uh, jason street on friday night lights was a big survivor friend to the point where i believe he actually went out on set one time but no he was not able to i guess uh sh- showcase the show circulate the tapes amongst the cast of friday night Lights. so kyle chandler to my knowing is not a survivor fan oh. I hope it's just we don't know that he is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think these are people yeah. we could convert as well now that we've sort of had oh, them yeah. targeted. All right, Liana, back to you. Linda Cardellini, Survivor fan or not? Ooh, okay, let's see. Um, Molly referenced Lindsay Weir on her Survivor bio, but is it mutual? That's right. I'm, I'm wondering. Okay, let's see. Freaks and geeks could be a Survivor theme. Um, I'm going to go with yes. I'm sorry, she is not. Oh. That we know of. Exactly. But her <laughs> Freaks and Geeks cohort, Sam Levine, apparently is. So maybe mm-hmm. if they have a get together for an anniversary or something, again, there's, this is a possibility. It's an open door, uh, not necessarily, you know, a, a closed invitation to be, not become a fan of the show. All right, Jess, we're going back to you. Hank Azaria, Survivor fan or not? Yes. That is correct. The man of a million voices is a Survivor fan, apparently. Yeah. That, that tracks. If I, yeah, I was going to say, I, I can see that. <laughs> All right, Liana. Kristen Chenoweth. Ooh. Um, I'm going to go with no. That is correct. She is not a Survivor fan. Uh-huh. Jess, Pauly Perrette, uh, formerly of NCIS. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. She is. in the CBS family. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I guess it's a rule, much like it was referenced on the unicorn a few weeks back, that 
maybe they get free survivor screeners or something but yeah apparently uh all i know her as is the goth girl on ncis but apparently she is a big survivor fan hmm. all right liana a name no close to my heart in the lieu of my lost rewatch dominic monahan survivor fan or not <laughs> oh uh, uh oh man i don't know does lord of the rings i'm trying to think of any parallels um Yes, let's go with yes. That is correct. Yes, I, hey. I mean, I don't know if they were watching Survivor in New Zealand while they were filming Lord of the Rings, but maybe there's something about, like, the Fellowship being an alliance that gets broken up amongst a tribe swap or something. Mm, right, or like, I don't know, I was thinking something with starving. <laughs> you know, did they have second breakfast? Well, I don't that, know. That's the thing, is that Gollum is the ultimate, like, Russell Hands, and he sabotaged them by throwing by throwing away all the lemnus bread and then blaming it on Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> so someone who can do a Schmeagol impression yeah, should yeah. do the, I don't like the little bee, or that little bee hat. <laughs> yes, precious, dumbass bitches are precious. A precious bee hat. <laughs> exactly. Mm, we should leave this to Hank's area. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Maybe you can do it. Uh, all right. Back to you, Jess. Drew Barrymore, Survivor fan or not? Oh, I think, ooh, that's tough. I feel like she probably does have surprising interests, but I also would fully believe that, like, her television is just always on, like, a framed photo or something. Like, <laughs> Like a stock photo. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like she, it's hard for me to think of her as a serious TV watcher. <laughs> um, I I feel like she is is too ephemeral and ethereal. So I'm going to, but in the, in the similar vein of Kyle Chandler, I hope I'm wrong, but I am, I'm going to go with no. Yeah, you're correct. And I love this theory. You might, I guess my theory uh, on that to piggyback off of yours is like, I don't know. I, I have like a fire TV stick and sometimes if you leave it on for a long time, it goes to like a screensaver that's like a slideshow of various panoramic photos. I think that's what Drew Barrymore's watching. I think that's her favorite show. Yeah. I mean, maybe she's even curated herself. It's like slides of like beautiful images that make her feel things. Um, but it's, yeah, committing to Survivor seems like I can't picture it, but mm. I would be delighted if she ever wanted to get into it, you know. All right, Liana, YouTuber Miranda Sings. Uh, let's go with yes. I'm sorry, she is not. Uh, uh, she does have a YouTuber cohort in Jenna Marbles, who is a pretty darn big Survivor fan. But unfortunately, I guess Miranda Sings is too busy hitting the recording studio and going on tour to get in tune with Survivor. Mm, ah, too bad. All right. Uh, she's She's been an off-book guest. If I had known, I would have... <gasps> tried to get in there yeah colleen have you heard about survivor do you know about survivor because it's incredible to be the ambassador the brand ambassador for yes. survivor in the comedy world yes i do try all right jess rob lowe survivor fan or not okay interesting uh i'm gonna say ooh, this is tough is it toughy um, I feel like I'm just going to like game the game a little bit here. Uh, you've been, it's been a little bit of a pattern that someone else in their work life is a fan. And I know that Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally are fans. So I'm going to go with no. That is correct. And I had that line of thinking, but I was actually thinking about a different line of work. Josh Molina of the West Wing is also a huge fan of Survivor, apparently. Nice. 
Nice. So yeah, apparently, literally everyone involved in Rob Lowe's life likes Survivor, except for Wait, Rob Lowe. Isn't Adam Scott also a Survivor fan? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So really, it didn't come on him. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe Rob Lowe. Maybe we stumbled on something where like Rob Lowe is staunchly anti-Survivor, despite everyone else trying to get him into it. He he's like an only amazing racer. <laughs> Oh, but that totally fits with Chris Traeger's character as well, yes, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I can see it. yeah. Chris Traeger would want to apply for the Amazing Race by himself, uh, just as like yeah. I can, I can compete on behalf of two people. I can do it. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Richard Nygaard. Richard Nygaard said, "Is it's important for me to only rely on myself." <laughs> well, speaking of Chris's, Liana, let's go back to you here. Chris O'Donnell, Survivor fan or not? Uh, sure. Why not? That is correct. Mr. Robin himself is a Survivor fan. Ah, good. Finally, I got one. <laughs> All right. Jess, Rihanna. Oh. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Riri. <laughs> yes? That is correct. Yes. Awesome. So, That's great. I mean, this is completely you know, circumstance, but I'm going off of a picture from Instagram from the great Otis Boskowskis that he posted several years ago of him at the Staples Center, a picture of him and Rihanna saying, who knew Rihanna was a Survivor fan? So maybe it's a joke or maybe Rihanna's a Survivor fan. I have no idea. I choose to believe it's real. Like, I imagine Riri out there on her yacht, smoking a blunt and watching Survivor. Like, that makes me happy. I yeah. agree. Well, especially because I, I also... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I totally would believe that she's just like, she's she's just like binging old seasons. She doesn't care about... <laughs> she's like, oh, <laughs> just going back, maybe watching other country versions, you know? Oh my um, God. Yeah, like, listen, been... I'll get back in the studio soon. I just got to finish Australian Survivor 2017 first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah she maybe she had like an entire song dedicated to luke toki we'll see i guess in her next album all right liana back to you chris humphreys former basketball star chris humphreys uh no no way that is correct he is not okay all right i was gonna say i, I, I had imagine. to throw one athlete what? in there because i noticed that it was just a bunch of entertainment people and i mean it also shows that I do not know many sports people. Well, he was the one who was married to Kim Kardashian, right? That's why no, I know who that, he is. Oh, was he? Yeah, I guess he was. I was thinking of Lamar Odom for a second, but he was married to Khloe no, Kardashian. Chloe. Yeah, I think they were married for like 62 days or something like that. That's right. Oh, no, they were married for like two years. <laughs> Never mind. Who, was, who got married for 62 days? That was Britney. Wasn't that, that Britney Spears and one of her husbands? Wait, uh, yeah, I uh, thought Kim and the Chris marriage was really short. It was two years. Well, let's see. According to Wikipedia, it says two years, but I thought I thought it was I thought it was a uh, 72 day marriage. OK, screw you, Google. 72 yeah. days, two people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe should Jeff, have yeah, should Jeff have officiated their divorce proceedings as well as their wedding? Oh, Come on, you guys, we're going to mediate. Well, that's we the thing. Like, he's, he's good at <laughs> negotiating, he's good at, like managing conversations <laughs> like Chris, Chloe just gave or not Chris. Kim just gave you a weird look right there. What do you think that says about the society we live in today? <laughs> All right, uh, Jess, I got one final one here for you. Whitney Carlson, uh, Dancing of, of the Stars veteran. Hmm. Yes? That is correct. She is. So by a score of seven to five, Jess, you have your finger on the pulse of uh, your survivor fans in the entertainment industry. 
hey, all right. <laughs> I say insider information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're, am, you're getting texts. I you're, am yeah, you're in a text. Hanging out with Rob Lowe. I was going to say, you're in a text group with Chris O'Donnell and Rihanna talking about the latest yep. episode. Yep, exactly. Oh, man. Okay, well, um, I I just want to jump right into our next game here. So now that we've learned about uh, Survivor fans that are celebrities, maybe we can get them to buy some of these items as we move into the Price is Rourke. So this is Price is Right rules, but the first week we played this, Rourke went home, so it's still the Price is Rourke, <laughs> and I'm not going to change it. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, like, considering <laughs> that we have now seen David Wright compete once again in the time since starring the B&B, but we, but we still have to keep this name, you know? Yeah, like, no one will remember seasons from, like, for Rourke, the pre-jury boot Rourke, of course. Um, but she lives on forever in our hearts. So uh, the way this is going to work is I will list a survivor related item and it was for sale on eBay. And so it's up to the two of you to try to guess the price. So again, price is right. Rules apply. So the closest to the actual price without going over will be the winner. And we'll alternate and go back and forth as to who has to guess the price first. Now, to help the two of you and for any of the listeners at home that want to take a look, a gander at some of these items, uh, you can go to the hyperlink bit.ly backslash price is Rourke or it's just price is Rourke. So all lowercase 39. So again, that link is bit.ly backslash price is Rourke 39, all lowercase. I love how uh, much of a stickler you are for the fact that everyone usually says slash, but you make it very clear it's a backslash. It is a backslash. <laughs> uh, I am, if nothing but precise, uh, when it comes to reading URLs, apparently. So, all right, let's jump right into this. So the two of you have the link. Um, our first item up for bid is a uh, Australian Outback Survivor Pillow. Uh, so, Mike, we will start with you. How much do you think this is selling for? Ooh, I mean, so in terms of for describing this for people who might not be following along, it literally is just a plain canvas pillow with the logo of Survivor the Australian Outback printed on it. Now, I know that old school items in our history of the prices work have actually fetched a fairly good price. I can imagine this is probably a relic from, if not back in 2001, at least relatively nearby. I'm going to go with $75. Okay, $75. Jess, what do you think? Okay, I feel like this is a pretty legendary season. Everybody likes a little pop of color in a pillow. It's got a great uh rue on it. So, I'm going to go uh I'm going to go over. So, I guess <laughs> price is right. $76. <laughs> okay uh well you're both off um spoiler alert although i do like that the pillow has the little trademark logo in the bottom corner that's i think my personal favorite part um but no this was only selling for 25 dollars whoa so, a steal mike you were it, it is a steal so you know i uh, get rihanna here to buy the <laughs> official australian outback survivor pillow um so mike that point goes to you even though you were 50 dollars above the, uh, the actual selling <laughs> listen you know what a, a win is a win wow that is dirt cheap for just a pillow in general let alone a survivor-based pillow it's hard to tell how big it is though like i don't get a sense yeah of i guess the that's size. true is Maybe it like is it like tiny. a throw pillow or is it yeah. like a bed pillow it looks yeah, pretty small know. like a little accent pillow right 
Um, so when, yeah, when I decorate for my wedding, I'll be sure to buy this, uh, this decorative pillow. All right. Our next item is the CBS Survivor Mayor of Slamtown Men's Large Shirt David versus Goliath. That was the description, the title of the item. Yeah, so uh. so this is not an actual like survivor shirt in terms of an actual season. I mean, do we think that John Hennigan created this? Do we think someone else created this and tried to sell it? Right. So this is this is bizarre because it's the survivor logo. Uh is it is that from David Goliath? No, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's like of Slamtown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's like of Slamtown. It says Slamtown. Um, the, the description also, I don't know if this helps impact how you both feel, but uh, quote, the shirt has been worn only a couple of times. Oh, that's very <laughs> encouraging. <laughs> so, uh, so Jess, what do you think? How much do you think this is worth? Um, okay. I'm going to say it's going for $12. I'm going to okay. I'm going to go for I'm going for eight dollars. I'm going to go lower. Eight dollars. OK, uh, Jess, you were very close. Thirteen ninety nine was the price uh, for the made up mayor of Slamtown shirt. That's only been worn a couple of times. Uh, yeah, I wonder how many bucks that knocked off the price. <laughs> I guess it was going to be 18, but well, it's been worn a couple of times. Well, so I'm trying to look at what this shirt says. It says what outwork out take. Maybe I have bad eyesight. Liana, do you know what it says on the logo? Uh, yeah, so it says outwork out take out slam. I think is what the bottom yeah. one says. And then you, it says slam town across the middle and then Johnny Survivor right underneath. Okay, so I guess I'm trying to because I know that we, you know, have some some cohorts who happened to be like uh in when when John Hennigan was uh, in New York, he had like a viewing party. I can't remember remember they had Slam Town buffs, but I don't remember if, if these are if this is like his T shirt or if someone made it in honor of him. I have no idea. I think it's, it's some type of fan made shirt. I have to believe. Um, I don't remember John Hennigan, you know, trying to sell any of these or anybody else related. So <laughs> I'm not sure, but you can get it for only thirteen ninety nine. Oh, and it's, oh. is there one that's newer that we should buy or is the only <laughs> option the one that's slightly used? I think the only one I could find was slightly used, which makes me think it's one of a kind. I guess yeah, so. It has that. Fortunately. <laughs> or fortunately. Um, all right. So our next item is the Survivor Campfire Mug dash Fiji Season 17 2007 dash reality show. In case uh, no one was clear about that. Um, so this is really ugly. It's like this bright orange color and it has the Survivor Fiji logo on it. Um, the uh, the only description is no chips or cracks, good and clean. So no mention of whether or not it was used, but at least it's clean. Yes. Unlike the end game of Survivor Fiji, it's very clean. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm going to go with... See, it's but it feels like so generically branded that I don't know how much how unique it's going to be. You know, it's no slam town shirt. Uh, I don't know how many of these are in stock, but I'm going to go with a nice round. Let's say fifteen dollars for the mug. OK, Jess, what do you think? Huh. You know, I've had some varying experiences with camp mugs where like some of them aren't actually, you know, insulated versus they are. 
So it's hard to tell the quality of this product, but if it's just like the vibe of one and not actually functional, I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go under. I'm going to go, wait, what'd you say, Mike? I said 15. 15. I'm going to go 11. Okay. This is selling on eBay for $34.99. No! Whoa! Yeah. Yeah, That's crazy. It's worth more than the pillow? It is worth more than the pillow um, and the mayor of Slamtown T-shirt. So, yeah, if you combine the two, you'd have basically the same amount as the as what's worth this cup is worth. You could have a nice right. French press coffee in. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It does seem just to your comment. It does seem to be of higher quality. Um, yeah, but it must be. It must be the real deal. Good job. It must be. Yeah. Uh, it job, also bug. said it, it said it was made in Fiji. I, I, I doubt that. Mm, mm. <laughs> I mean, the, the season was maybe that's what they mean. Oh, perhaps, perhaps. Uh, all right, our next item I'm pretty excited about. This is the Survivor Season 18 Token Chains in parentheses the Brazilian Highlands Oval Mouse Pad. And pretend I read that description in all caps. Wait, <laughs> so there is a signature on this? Who has signed this? Okay, so I was trying to figure this out. Uh, I thought that this was because there were a couple of items that had the signature on it. It's some type of collections. So it's SWM collections, but the items were all from different sellers. So I don't know if there was some sort of big collection that then is now divvied out amongst the eBay sellers uh, or what. But this is apparently a collectible item enough to have a sticker with a signature on it. Very interesting. It's weird. It's like he autographed it. Like, I feel like you would put a logo on it, maybe to show your collection instead of like signing it. Yeah, I, I don't know. At least it's a sticker. It didn't write directly on the item in question. Um, all right, Jess, we'll start things off with you. How much do you think this mouse pad is worth? Okay, so having not used a mouse pad in <laughs> probably a decade um, and having definitely never used an oval one, um, I'm going to say uh, hmm, $9. Nine dollars. Okay, Mike. All what right. Do you think? Here's my big theory. I got a conspiracy theory right now. S W M. That's one letter short of swim, right? Who's someone who we know is as good as swimming? Janet. Could Janet be reselling a bunch of Survivor collections items in her spare time? So, in honor of Janet, I am going to go with. I'm going to go with. $59 because she's a lovely 59 years old. Okay, first of all, you sounded like you were on the mass Singer and you were trying to put <laughs> the clues together. Uh, so I appreciated that. So Mike, your outlandishly high guess is actually pretty close. What? So 80, $85. Oh Whoa. God. SWM yeah. is like, they got a, they've got the market cornered apparently. Yeah. I they're assuming so. we're going to stop making mouse pads, which maybe we are. And they're like, <laughs> I gotta, you gotta get one before they're gone. That's yeah, amazing. Some sort of dystopian type situation where we have, we no longer manufacture mouse pads and they're actually very valuable. Yeah. There are. Uh, new- <laughs> right. Exactly. This is water world over here. Uh, mouse okay. Pad world. <laughs> mouse pad world. Uh, 
The next item uh, up for sale uh, is the Survivor Guatemala Sugar Bowl or Buttercrock Dish uh, Dash CBS Season 11 2005. So maybe, uh, maybe Mike, you can help describe this item. Um, I don't know what this is. I mean, it looks like a candy jar. It looks like right. a, it looks like a, a little ceramic jar with a lid on it. But I guess they call it what a sugar jar or a butter crock. Yeah, a sugar bowl butter crock, sugar I, bowl or butter crock dish. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I am not familiar with either of those items. <laughs> well, I, I've seen a sugar bowl before. I mean, I think we've even seen it on Survivor. That's when uh, Sandra wolfed down all the sugar and blamed JT for it. Uh, so. It's an interesting choice to emblazon a logo on it. Uh, but I guess, you know, we were talking last week about how watching Survivor almost makes you want to instinctively take in more food and less healthy food at that. Maybe they sort of have tapped into that psychology and have marketed themselves for that reason. Hmm. Uh, so before you answer uh, with your price, it's in excellent condition and it was never used. Oh, OK. So we don't have a <laughs> Slamtown T-shirt thing going on here. Yeah, this is not a slam down t-shirt situation, which is not a sentence I ever thought I'd say. Okay, <laughs> so might I also say, I, I enjoy Survivor Guatemala. It's one of my underrated seasons, but the logo might be one of the worst in the season's history just because of that doofy looking Mayan face that just sticks out <laughs> asymmetrically on the logo. Um, I'm going to go with, let's say, $25. Okay, $25. Jess, what do you think? Okay, so it has this sort of like marbled look, um, which when I first saw this, I thought, oh my gosh, is this an urn? That's (laughs) twisted. (laughs) Um, uh, And because it has like this white, uh, it's white ceramic with like black marbling and has a little bit of like a grandiose vibe until you see 2005 Survivor Productions LLC All Rights Reserved at the bottom. So, uh, but I am, because of its like uniqueness and specificity, I'm going to go over Mike, which remind me what you, so I what, said 20, 25. Yeah. Okay. 26. Okay. I really like this item and I love the, the dichotomy that you pointed out just about how it looks. So the whole marbled vibe of it looks so nice. And then they just slapped the, to Mike, your point, super ugly survivor Guatemala logo on it. Um, this uh, must have brought down the price because it was only eighteen dollars. Wow! For sale. Wow! I yeah. gotta get it. I gotta get it. Yeah, you can, you can, I must have you can just paint over the logo, right? I gotta crock my butter in that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess maybe I know. Maybe I think about crock in terms of like a crock pot. So I'm not entirely sure. Like, is it just a butter? Oh, I'm looking right here. Actually, a butter crock keeps butter fresh on the counter for up to 30 days. I'm not sure what the science is behind that, but okay. Yeah, my my family gets down with a butter crock sometimes. There's like usually a component where you put like water. And it keeps it like soft and spreadable at like room temp. Versus, oh, yeah. I've seen the the butter the the little trays with the lid thing that mm-hmm. you put on top. Um. Oh yeah, you pack it with. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I'm looking on. Um, I'm looking on uh, the internet on Amazon. It says you pour a third cup of cold water in the base. Yeah. Huh. It makes it pretty spreadable. You know, give a give a butter crock a try. I mean, listen, yeah, hard, hard butter is like the worst thing to wake up to in the morning. So I guess, you know, if water's going to keep it soft, I'm all for it. Mike, what a good life you have. <laughs> yeah. First world problems. My butter's too hard. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's awesome, Mike. Congrats. Your life. Good so for good. you. <laughs> that's okay. amazing. The, uh, th- this next item is, is really quite a doozy. Uh, so this is a survivor style bandana. 2002 Cincinnati Insurance Company's The Adventure. Oh, there's That's the title. There's so many questions about this. There's so many. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so this this is a buff, or it's it's a bandana, but it's got the sort of survivorish logo thing to it. Oh, this I like this um, one. This is even better than outwork, outtake, outslam. This is outwork, outplay the August Adventure. <laughs> like they just gave up with the third item. They do not believe in the rule of three. Um, I stand this item. This item is incredible. Uh, I love to imagine what this adventure was. I've been to the lovely city of Cincinnati. I love to imagine someone dabbing the corner of their mouth at Skyline Chili with this bandana, um, <laughs> making connections to help them in the insurance world. Um, I it's incredible, and I need it. And if anyone wants to get it for me, I will take it. And I'm going to just say that this has om- it's almost priceless. So I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with uh, yes, I'm going to go seventy two dollars, <laughs> which almost priceless equals seventy two dollars. So now. I'm losing I'm losing this game. Uh, my alliance is gone. So I'm making big bold moves yes. to just like have anything on my resume. So I love it. What's the wearing condition of this on a scale of like uh, uh, Slam Town to Bowl? How many times has this been used? <laughs> well, I can't answer that exactly. Although it does uh, say it appears unused. <laughs> That's great. That's always so, nice. Super useful. Appearances can be deceiving. I also like it has like little images of what I'm assuming is the Cincinnati skyline. Though I see some palm trees in there, so that confuses me a bit. <laughs> Maybe I'm now I'm comparing it to the Slamtown skyline, which is not too dissimilar. So maybe we see a little bit of uh, copyright infringement here. All right. So I guess compared to seventy five, seventy two dollars, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with fifty five. Fifty five dollars. So if anybody is interested in purchasing this for Jess, it is only nine dollars and ninety (laughs) nine cents. So a little bit more affordable than the pretty much uh, invaluable. Oh, my gosh. Mike, I love that I manipulated your numbers. I know you screwed with me so much. (laughs) Yeah, it's ten bucks, guys. I'm out here making big moves i came to play but technically i still won that point <laughs> yeah no i'm definitely not gonna win but i'm hoping that i'm gonna get like the sia money or i'm gonna get like you're gonna, um, you're, you're gonna you know sia's gonna come up to you and she can be like great i know how much you love this cic buff so i'm gonna give it to you <laughs> yes um okay uh the next item that we have is the uh survivor amazon season six Season finale audience tickets, parentheses, framed. Okay. Now, this is also being sold by Janet, I guess, (laughs) uh, from Swim Swim Collections. So I don't know how she got her hands on this. Um, But this is, you sort of have this like white backing with then two unused tickets uh, to Survivor the Amazon with sort of a description at, at, 
below. So yeah, this is so weird. Unused tickets to the Survivor finale of Survivor the Amazon. Yeah, and there's there's a preface above it which describes the event. It says live from the Ed Sullivan Theater in New York City, New York. Jenna Maraska, the 21 year old model from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, became the sole survivor and winner of Survivor Six: The Amazon. Like it's a historical plaque. Right. And my favorite part about this is actually in the seller's notes, which says not a pro parentheses amateur framing job. <laughs> which, yeah, OK. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's a pretty good job. I'm also very intrigued by these like the tickets have like instructions on them, like they give the location, which Rob has talked about before, was like at a rink in Central Park. There's rules printed on it, like good on CBS for like consolidating the rules for the day of and the ticket information all in one little pamphlet. Yeah, exactly. If only Jordan Kalish could do this for Twitch, then we would have something. Um, I like that they say it's going to take place rain or shine. So please dress accordingly. Uh, Suggested dress layers for day and evening temperatures. So thank you. Ticket. Uh, All right, Mike, you're going to kick things. Please don't bring your pagers in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. No pagers. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, this says no cell phones, pagers, cameras, or large bags will be allowed. Honestly, though, considering what Survivor the Amazon, uh, what it was mainly remembered for, I'm very excited. I'm very, you know, uh, happy that it actually implied keep clothes on instead of taking them off. That's right. Well, you know, dress accordingly really is up for interpretation. Yeah, for both day so. and evening temperatures. Right. Ooh. All right, Mike, uh, what's your guess for the price of this, of course, invaluable item? I mean, this is actually is pretty invaluable, though, because it, I mean, it, it's pretty it, this feels like a legitimate collector's item. So, Janet, great on you. I don't know how much that compares to the 90 something dollar mouse pad. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go with triple digits here. Give me the give me the one double O big, big hundo for this big hundo. All right, Jess, what do you think? I mean, gosh. That mouse pad really taught me some things. I'm trying to <laughs> learn from my past mistakes in this game. Um, I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go over. I'm going to go 101. That is a good gut feeling. Clearly, you learn from your mistakes, which is Thank very you. important. This is selling for $500. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's not even pro. <laughs> amateur. It's amateur. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, they admitted amateur framing and still selling for five hundred dollars. So maybe, definitely, maybe people appreciate their candor. You know, like you were honest with me, so that makes me value it more. Right, exactly. Uh, so I can sell it for five hundred dollars. Yeah, that was absolutely crazy. Wow, SWM is like raking it in right now. They they spilled yeah, out a wow. gold mine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where they came came into possession of all of these things. I like to think it was some sort of storage locker. Like this was a storage wars type episode where they discovered all of these items. Uh, But we don't know this last item. Okay. This is the description. Jeff Probst, Mark Burnett, survivor TV still. Okay. It is a picture of Jeff Probst uh, and Mark Burnett side by like, it's two separate pictures. just there next to each other and at the bottom it says copyright 2000 cbs worldwide inc all rights reserved photo credit monty brinton sc uh uh, i was gonna say hashtag sc hashtag (laughs) one (laughs) one uh yes so i don't know where this item came from or why it exists but it's being sold on ebay 
This is oh wow! Very interesting. This, this is this is not even an action shot. They're both posed. Um, this is very interesting. Yeah, very interesting is a good way uh, to. I mean, what it is this. is essentially someone pulled two press photos, put them in Microsoft Paint next to each other, and like printed it out. <laughs> right. Which, if they're if they are if they manage to sell this item, I think I have a new business idea. Maybe you should join up with SWM Collections because I think that there's a lucrative position now that you could guarantee them some collateral. Yeah, seriously. Um, so the the description does say this is a vintage item and is being sold as a collector's item. So I'd- yeah, if you you can just call it a collector's item. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> right. There's no sanctions on it, right? Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, okay. I mean, I feel like it is. We're not we're really forgetting about Mark Burnett. And this is really reminding us that he you know what I mean? Like probes is the face of the show. And I'm like, oh, we were trying to do like a side by side here. Um, probes is looking great. Uh, I'm going to say. Mm, thirty five dollars. In terms of the quality of the pictures themselves. Uh, Jeff's got a little bit of stubble going on, which is super interesting, considering that, like, I'm pretty sure he wants to be like clean shaven whenever he's on camera now, but it looks good on him. Mark Burnett rocking the noticeable hat and weird sort of like fanny pack backpack dealing. <laughs> yep, but no belt. Yeah, but he's pulling it off, I think. With, a, with, a, with like a denim shirt, which might not yeah. be good in that climate. A super all-purpose watch. Like, what are all those buttons on the side of the watch? It's giant. <laughs> I mean, this was the early 2000s, though, Leon. I wonder if that, that watch was allowed into the Survivor Amazon finale, or was that considered Ooh. on the level of a pager? That's true. Probably mm-hmm. not. Um, all, right. all right. So we Mike. so just said 35. I'm going to go with... Let's go with $60. $60. Okay. Uh, Jess, this is your point. This is selling for seventeen sixty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah. why 1767 also was a question <laughs> very odd very odd number um yeah it, it at the end of the day is just a photo that you could probably find <laughs> <laughs> i think with some light googling i can make yeah, it like exactly thing myself yeah um all right well it was uh you know mike ran away with it in the beginning jess you came back although you were one point short mike still wins the game uh although i think really if you are able to get your hands on that cincinnati adventure buff then really you know who's the real winner here i cannot wait for survivor 45 the august adventure (laughs) oh actually for anybody who's making uh you know their own survivor editions uh cincinnati eh? (laughs) think about buying you know i think we nearly need to see a revival of survivor cincinnati insurance company (laughs) i really i just you know knowing that uh that you know, a lot of the stuff in the office was based on Survivor. I would I would just love to have seen this company's take on Survivor. What was the action adventure? Did they have to participate in some sort of walking across fire type deal? Or, you know, was it just a stupid company retreat? I don't know. I, I would like to know. I feel like there's stories there. I feel like going yeah. all out with the bandana is interesting because like I've definitely seen we've all seen these like uh, fake survivor logos on like various t-shirts whether it be for like an orientation or like you said like a work event but i feel like putting it on a bandana i'm obviously not a buff but like a bandana is going the extra mile mm-hmm. 
Mm. No, no. I like imagining those draped over business casual. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Oh my God. Can you imagine you're wearing your slacks and button up shirt and you've got one of those, uh, these buffs on. Oh, so uh, good. You're just having yourself an August adventure. <laughs> Uh, now, one thing that I did think about doing was doing uh, cameos, uh, the website cameo, where you can have personalized shout outs from quote, quote, celebrities, uh, a.k.a. reality TV people. But none of them were particularly interesting, although there was one Johnny Fairplay uh, cameo that I thought was pretty funny that we might want to dig into. So, Mike, if you could play that now, that would be great. Sure thing. It's Johnny Fairplay, reality TV icon and Survivor Hall of Famer. And the other day I was talking to Paige, Callum, and Rima, and they're like, hey, you know our good friend Caro is a young lawyer in the middle of a five-week trial. That's insane. Five weeks. Sounds like my custody battles. Good luck. Anyway, I'm here. As an ambassador of goodwill and fine fortunes to say well wishes and to remind you to take your Humira medication (laughs) every second Wednesday. Oh, no. I also understand that your nickname, because you are such a big Survivor fan, is Cora Zorak Fairplay. Is that the coolest name I've ever heard? I'm Johnny Fairplay. Would I lie? Oh my God! Worth every penny. Oh my! Listen, God. I who needs a reminder app on your phone when you could have a reality TV star remind you to take your Humira every other week? That is wild. Yeah, that was literally my first thought. Was oh God, I need to buy cameos for all my friends, reminding them to do certain things. <laughs> remember to take your cats to the vet. <laughs> remember to call your mom. I should also point Uh, out that Johnny Fairplay looks to be just in the middle of the woods while he's doing this. (laughs) Yeah, he's got a bunch of them where he's just like in the middle of the woods. He also starts every single cameo with reality TV icon and Survivor Hall of Famer. And then he goes into, I was talking with my good friends, so and so. (laughs) Like, oh, yes. When they sent you the cameo request, you were talking with them. Yeah. Uh, And then he ends everything with I'm Johnny Fairplay also. Well, I should also point out, I mean, first off, I feel like you could do entirely different podcasts about the breakdown of the nickname Cora Zorak Fairplay, uh, just because I, God help her if Zorak really is her middle name, or if she's just a big Space Ghost fan. I should also note that Johnny Fairplay's cameo profile, he has listed himself as the co-host of Survivor. (laughs) Yes. Wow. I was going to mention that. That is, I mean, listen, uh, he's not getting called out for it, I suppose, but I guess you you, you claim your spot until you uh, end up getting kicked out of it. That's a bold claim to make for people that I guess are just scrolling through the site and are super casual. I'd be like, oh yeah, the co-host of Survivor, Johnny Fairplay, of course. (laughs) But does he have a still with Mark Burnett? Mm, That's true. I don't think so. He does have more stubble than (laughs) Probst does in his own production photo, though, so I guess he has him beat there. That's true. Oh, my goodness. Well, speaking of actually uh, some audio, I do want to play some quick audio here before we move into the question of the week, because as I said, the Ponderosas are super delightful. Seriously, uh, you know, everybody who has understandably a bad taste in their mouths from this episode and want to be reminded of the good people that that can be in this cast, like go check out Jack, Kelly and Jamal just hanging out because apparently Jamal and Jack are both super musically inclined to the point where they came up with a song. And it's performed on their Ponderosa video. And Jess, as someone who has made a career 
out of coming up with songs. I would love for you to hear it and sort of uh, get a sense of, you know, I guess their own uh, lyrical writing and melody and the like. Great. I woke up this morning feeling good, feeling bad about all that I had. Then I opened my eyes and I began to smile. Because although I'm out of the game, the fact that I played is insane. Ponderosa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's their song. That's sweet. Um, mm, that's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess how does it compare to the Chris Noble rap? I suppose is the is the direct comparison. <laughs> oh, there's no comparison there. Um, yeah, I mean this is very endearing. Um, they, I mean they they stuck the landing for sure. Great harms on Ponderosa. A uh, little confused melodically what was happening before, but uh, <laughs> lovely, lovely, uh, sweet voices. Plus, to be able to come together after what happened, you know, and and have the, uh, I don't know, the mental fortitude to then create this endearing musical thing. Really great. Yeah, very sweet. It's it's so sweet. And that's why I wanted to highlight it. It's just like, I mean, it's also like considering, you know, where they were with the very important race conversation a few episodes ago to like them sharing a melody now. Uh, I do agree that, you know, it's a little bare bones i think that where chris noble ran into some difficulty was apparently uh the video got like removed from youtube because some company claimed copyright infringement so i wonder if cbs was like okay you can do this but you can't have a backing track whatsoever so that's why it's a a little more doo-wop you know a little more jersey oh, boys yeah. a little less uh jay-z no i love it i love that they're just fully making it their own and it's very it's, sweet. it's also a follow-up to our point from last week's bnb where jack talked about being in a, a hip-hop r&b acapella group uh, and, you know, we got some here. We had a listener very helpfully point this out to us uh, that, you know, she actually sent us a YouTube link of Jack's acapella group, which was so much fun. So I just love seeing this side of Jack. And Jack is like, he's baking cookies for everyone who comes Aww. into Ponderosa. Like, it is so legitimately sweet. Oh, that's so sweet. And then, so then that's sweet. Yeah, that song is a good album or uh, anthem, I guess, for, for them. That's cute. All right, well, let's move into uh, the final segment of each or every week, the question of the week. Last week's question of the week, speaking of Island of the Idols, since there was sort of like, to your point, a little bit of like a secret society thing going on there, Jess, if we could come up with some rules for the Island of the Idols secret, secret club, a few answers here from our listeners. John John says, make sure you are well-mannered entering the snug. Uh, Parker Schimler says always be considerate and trim the nose hairs of Rob's bust on your way back to the little boat man which I'm surprised that the bus have uh, realistic hair but Survivor does go the extra mile Dan Sinansky says take only advantages leave only Rob and Sandra judging you which I really liked and Jonathan Troyer says be careful about what you say about IOI around camp because Sandra might step out from behind a palm frond and shank you uh, can we quickly brainstorm any other rules you might think of? One that I thought of was like, uh, like you, you're, you have to walk in with nothing. Like you could only use the instruments provided to you. Sort of like, you know, when you walk in for like the SAT, like you could only use the pencils that are provided to you. Ironically enough, he has provided a pencil here. Mm, yeah, I was, I was thinking also you have to army crawl to and from the meetings. 
uh, or like behind Paul. Maybe that was part of a CIC August adventure was they had to army crawl into meetings. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to say uh, you, upon return, you must gather in a formal storytelling circle. Yeah. And <laughs> upon conclusion of your type five, you must make a jaunty exit. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Oh, that's such, that's so good. I like this. Uh, maybe the official food is watermelon also could be another thing. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. I feel like there has to be something with the bus, though. Like, you must, like, genuflect to the bus or, like, any uh, any uh, pr- uh, any problems you have with your Island of Idols experience can be directed to the, the bus directly. <laughs> you yes. speak directly with the bus. Yes. Like, like, you put the little piece of paper in their mouth. Maybe that's what Rob actually was referring to like Jamal. This is a comment card. Can you please tell tell me how you, your experience was here on Island of the Idols? My supervisor would like to know. <laughs> comment cards. Yeah, well, that's what the pencils for. That's what Jamal should have done. <laughs> Been like, yes, I have a formal complaint. I would like <laughs> to submit about the Island of the Idols. Exactly. Like I'm submitting this, uh, you know, for a formal arbitration later on. Karishma will be my representative uh, as my legal counsel. Yeah, we uh, we can, uh, of course, take this up at the August adventure. <laughs> we will mediate this disagreement. Well, next week's question of the week, again, another sort of like small moment that was in the first tribal council was there was a lot of talk about trust and deception. And Lauren, Lauren brought up this random thing about her about she was like, hey, you know, uh, uh, people could be looking at me talking with Dean for a long time, but I'm just talking with him about my 30, you know, my 30, uh, 30th birthday Barbie themed party. Uh, which definitely like raised a few eyebrows. Uh, you know, definitely we raise eyebrows for Lauren in a different way later on in the episode in terms of the way she handles things. But that was just like a random factoid out of nowhere. Uh, and so we glommed onto that for this week's question of the week. How would you make a survivor themed birthday party? And I've seen, you know, people who have made survivor themed birthday parties. So if you have, please let us know the experience because I am so genuinely interested. We talked about a Survivor-themed wedding. I feel like a Survivor-themed birthday party is not too off the mark. I mean, yeah. Plus, a lot of the things that, uh, that if we see may be used as inspo. I can put it on my uh, Pinterest page. <laughs> yeah, and I think every birthday is truly a celebration of one more year of outwitting, outplaying, and outlasting. Exactly. <laughs> to face another August adventure. I was going to say, yeah. you mean outwork, outplay the August adventure. adventure. Yeah, another chance to outslam uh, anybody who gets in your way. So you have a bunch of ways you can reach out to us with this answer. Uh, you can either tweet it to us using the hashtag RHAPBNB. Uh, you can write it to us an email, RHAPBNB at gmail.com. Respond to it anywhere out there on the internet. And let us know as we review your birthday party ideas and a bunch of other stuff as Survivor keeps on chugging along with our guests next week. Big Brother 12's very own Matt Hoffman, the diabolical genius himself, is going to be on to talk about this episode of Island of the Idols. Matt is always one of the funniest guests on RHAP when it comes to Big Brother, and I'm happy to see him cross streams a bit and come over to the Survivor area. But Jess, thank you so, so much uh, for not only, you know, being able to to speak so honestly about obviously the heavier stuff this episode, but really getting it into the lighter stuff as well. Christmas movies included. This was all good. Nothing bad or transitional whatsoever in terms of writing this podcast from my perspective. <laughs> uh, for those that want to check out more of your uh, adventures, whether they be musically based, podcast based or buttercrock based, how can people find you on social media? 
Uh, yeah, and thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, thank you, you two, for really, I mean, also really vulnerably speaking and also making sure that we can have the the fun side of the things that we love. Um, no easy task, and I tip my hat to you both. Um, and yeah, you can listen to Off Book, and I'm at Jess R. McKenna on Twitter, which I don't really engage with too much. I'm more of an Instagram gal at Jess Jess McKenna. And uh, you can find me um, in August in Cincinnati. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> um, you can uh, you can find me on social media at Liana Boris. Uh, so we uh, were back for the Mass Singer this week. Clea Zambakili and I got together to talk about everything that's going on in the Mass Singer world. So look for that. That's out now um, as we get to our top eight Mass survivors. Yeah, oh, singers. <laughs> yeah, but that because no, well, because they're surviving in the season. And, yeah, I guess. Never mind. <laughs> well, I was so confused not to get too mass singer, but like, did they say on the show they're like only four weeks until the semifinals of Mass Singer? Yeah, I I don't know. It's uh, it's clipping along because I think what we're gonna have we're gonna go down to final seven next week. Then we have a week off for Thanksgiving. Then we go down to final six. Then it's the semifinals, which is the top six, I think. So, so I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting it for them to like put time. a stake in the ground of like, okay, guys, only a month and a half left until the end of this season. Right. Definitely keep watching. We promise we'll get there. <laughs> so you can always follow me at a Mike Bloom type, uh, you know, a, a, even amidst all the, the stuff coming out uh, from this episode. I am doing Exit Press with Kelly and Jamal. Uh, they're going to be coming a bit later just to... Uh, a different process with press this week, but I will have chats with both of them about not only their perspectives on everything that happened, but their games in general. I'm sure they are going to be super, super interesting. So be sure to check all of that out. Of course, every week I'm going down the hatch with Josh Wiggler doing our episodic Lost rewatch. Jess, are are you a Lost person or were you a Lost person back in the day? You know, I watched uh, watched the first two seasons and then it lost me. I mean, you're not it's it's a it's an experience not too unfamiliar to some of our listeners. But if you're ever interested in both revisiting the series, Josh Wiggler and I put out three hour podcasts every week getting into Lost. Uh, and this past week might have been one of our craziest episodes yet. I, I we put out a podcast about a, an episode called Special. I may or may not have theories about people that are related to Walt Disney. It's a butter crock of shenanigans over there on Down the Hatch. So be sure to check all that out. I've also been doing uh, some interviews for the new HBO show Watchmen that I recently put out with some cast members for CBR.com. So lots of stuff going on. Be sure to, to check all that out. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, I, I know that it's been a really rough week for a lot of people, for all of us. And I hope that we've been able to provide at least some sort of lightness and opportunity to sort of get away from from the darkness and the heaviness of everything to just laugh about stupid things like getting Rob Lowe into Survivor uh, and, you know, uh, and whether or not slapping a Guatemala logo on something, uh, you know, de devalues a product. Uh, it, it's what we really have a lot of fun doing. And I'm so grateful to have this platform to not only talk about Survivor, you know, in all its seriousness, but also in its lightness as well. Uh, and I couldn't have done it without Liana, uh, who's just an absolute superstar and guests like Jess as well, who are able to come on and have fun with this. And I, I'm ready to keep on keeping on with both this season and this podcast it should be a great time so sincerely thank you all so much for listening and for supporting us uh even you know even through times like this special thanks to scott st pierre for editing this behind the scenes our head writer paul oslison 
and Wolfram America for our theme song. We'll be back next week with Big Brother 12's Matt Hoffman to break down episode 10 of Survivor Island of the Idols. For now, we'll check you out at your next day. Mike and Diana, yeah, they're playing some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Diana, yeah, they're playing some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name.